war is coming. When the stakes are this high, it takes a master and an apprentice to defeat our enemy. What makes someone ready? You just know. Ahsoka, two episode premiere, streaming August 23rd. Folks, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and today we are talking about the first two episodes of the brand new Star Wars TV show, Ahsoka. I'll be joined by two separate guests. First up, my buddy Sean watched both episodes with me the night the show came out. Um, he suggested that we watch after work, so we posted up in the conference room, and then immediately after, we jumped into a studio to talk about our hottest takes. So it's it's very much hot off the vinyl uh, in terms of like some of our uh, scorching hottest takes right after watching the two episodes. And then later in the show, you're going to hear from Ahsoka superfan Liz, my fellow Sidefest Northwest organization team member, uh, joined me online a few days later after the premiere to discuss our thoughts on the episodes uh, more in depth. It's a, it's a lengthy discussion, uh, but we also talk about our hopes and dreams for the show and some deeper fandom stuff as well, along with our desired Blorcos. And if you don't know what that is, I promise you I didn't either, and we litigate that as well. It's a lot of fun. But for now, let's check in with my buddy Sean, who joined me in the studio right after we got off work. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm excellent right now. I'm feeling real good. I'm Star Wars up. Um, I guess be, before we kind of get get into like the scorching hottest of takes, so, um, you know, it's it's podcast. It's a it's an audio medium. We can't necessarily see, but what I do know and that listeners can't see is that you wear your Star Wars fandom on your sleeve, literally. Right. So right. I think to say that you're a fan is uh, would be an understatement. In but, that sense, you mean like I literally have Star Wars tattoos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I was, right, I was right. trying to be cheeky and fun, but uh, maybe I'm a little rummy from all the all, all the uh, Ahsoka action. But I, I guess my question to start with is, you know, uh, we've been on like the, this Disney Plus Star Wars journey for, for a while. Um, Highs and lows. Yeah, there's been highs and and there's definitely been some lows. Exactly, exactly. So I I guess one of the things I, I want to start with is kind of what what kind of baggage did you have coming into this Ahsoka show? Like we had, you know, uh, what whatever the hell else. Yeah, I've slogged through all the all the Mando episodes, through all the Obi Wan, which again was a, a highs and lows. Mm -hmm. You know, big on the highs and lows, like the 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 fight with Darth Vader. 
high high, a, a very high high for me. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the show, kind of kind of a low low. Right. Uh, the book of Boba Fett has some interesting moments in it, but yeah. all in all, like the the median score on something like that, not that high. Right. Like, First couple episodes, or excuse me, first couple seasons of Mando, and even into this into this third season, I was I was a pretty happy camper for the most part. I yeah. can shut my brain off easily and just enjoy some Star Wars. But of the Star Wars shows that I've seen, I think what we just saw was very good. Yeah, for me. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was more of a fan of Rebels than uh, Clone Wars. And then, of course, we pick up in Mandalorian where we meet Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. And when it was announced that there was going to be an Ahsoka show, it's like, sure, shrug. You know, it's like, I, I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll watch it. And as we saw more of the trailers, it's like, wait a second. This seems more of a sequel to Rebels than it does a sequel to Clone Wars. And for me, at least, I was into that. So it's like, you know, as we were just watching, there were, there was a handful of references that were popping off that I was like, huh, you know, just just a lot of like little things. So I guess one, one of my questions for you, Sean, is not having watched Rebels and maybe just kind of like knowing some of like the the um, larger plot points or maybe like like the the larger brushstrokes. Um, yeah, because I've just seen a bunch of YouTube videos about, you know, like the time travel part, the, uh -huh. you know, uh, you know, I've seen Obi-Wan take on Maul. Mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, various bits and pieces and, you know, Ezra, Ezra make his, his, his move and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it's like, I, I've seen that and I've seen some moments of Thrawn too. Mm -hmm. So I understand the importance of Thrawn, but your point about how this seems more of a uh, more of a sequel to Rebels mm -hmm. is only uh, I think bolstered after you watch the first two episodes. Yeah, because it's like almost Ahsoka in in name only. Like yeah. there's there's so much that goes on in these first two episodes that really is just a continuation of everyone around Ahsoka. Right. Like you, you get a good amount of her, but her dialogue is not overwhelming. It's like the people around her have more dialogue. And, and it's like she's sort of the linchpin to which all these people are interacting in, yeah. in this universe around her. But, but the focus isn't always on her. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's great. I'm, I'm yeah. about it because, you know, if, if, if you like Book of Boba Fett did this a little too much. Yeah. Where they were like just zoomed in on Boba Fett and they took away some of the mystery of how he is and what he's doing and, you know, his motivations behind stuff. Yeah. And they got too into the into like what motivated him when that was already well explained. So it yeah. was like they were kind of beating a dead horse. But at this point, they're telling a new story, which thank God, you know, because yeah. we've we've been over old ground a lot in, so in some of these in some of these series like Obi-Wan, you know, that show is 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 a, a product that we've we already know the outcome of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We already mm -hmm. know his end game. So like right. retreading some of his past doesn't 
serve didn't serve his character. Yeah. Retreading some of Boba Fett's past didn't serve his character right. because there was a mystery, a mystique about him. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a point where we're moving forward with the story of Ahsoka and all the people around her. Yeah. And it's compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that that you had uh, uh, mentioned to me while we were watching is that you know it, it's got like a Game of Thrones vibe to it. Yeah the 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 intro, the intro certainly felt like a, a very Game of Thrones intro because yeah. it shows you the the places that they're going and it shows you a d- direct lines to like you know kind of kind of what's going on and yeah. has a little bit of that Game of Thrones sort of intro music vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit stylized also yeah and then it, it's not showing you people it's like showing you you know how game of thrones would show you houses oh yeah they would show you houses sort of i mean that, that's pretty cool i'm I'm, yeah. I'm digging i'm digging what they're putting down so far man a lot about it is is great because they can they can expand on on more characters than just like that micro micro focus on ahsoka yeah that like deep, deep dive on her on a character who they've already done a lot with her. She already has a, a past and it's like, we, you don't need to, you don't need to like hone in on, on what, like break down the mystery of Ahsoka for me. No, no, no. Yeah. Show me more of her world. Right. Don't, don't take away the allure and the mystery of what makes Ahsoka Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Show me more of her world. Let, let me, let me see her interact with the, this star Wars world around her that will tell you more about who she is yeah. than you doing a, a, a clumsy hand, hand, ham-handed dive into, into why she does things the way she does them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting to explore. Um, I, I, I was kind of interested when, when, when we first started watching it, um, it, it starts with a scroll. Yeah. And we haven't seen a proper... Scroll, not to be confused with scroll from like the the Marvel Universe or Secret Invasion, not not those kinds of scrolls. No, but a big wall of text. Yeah, wall of text, red text too. I'm like, ooh, this is freaking metal, man, man, and yeah, it was kind of interesting to kind of get back to that vibe, but different because like it's you know it's not the triumphant music. The text is red. The music is foreboding. So I thought it was it, it was interesting to kind of start it off with that feel. Yeah. And 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 that had a very new hope feel to it also. Sure. Because you you start with that text crawl and then instantly the music is gone. Mm-hmm. You're met with space sounds. Yeah. And then giant ship flying by. Mm-hmm. And you're on on board with uh, you know a bunch of what what seems like kind of buttoned up uh, imperial people, but they're rebels. You know, right, they're like right, new, right. new, new, new Republicans. Republicans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, new Republicans. Not, not to be confused with actual new Republicans. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> LOL. Um, who who get of course murdered instantly. These uh um yeah it, it's it, it's yeah the ship captain's like I'm calling their bluff. <laughs> I think you might have you may have zigged when you should have zagged, my friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I I like the idea of having mysterious new, not quite Jedi, not quite Sith uh, type of thing. Like, um, you know, Ray Stevenson, R.I.P. is uh, is terrific. 
as, I agree. as that dude. I mean, just and that majestic beard too. My God, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just has like a, a quiet, gravelly gravitas to him. Just just a magnetism that. And he doesn't he doesn't seem evil, right? You know, like in there's a there's a line in Lord of the Rings where somebody's like the enemy would look fair and feel foul. Mm. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he, I guess he does that. He, he seems fairer. Yeah. And doesn't feel quite as foul mm-hmm. as, as like the, the, the lady that he goes in and rescues immediately at the front. Right. You know, who we saw in, in that episode of, uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. She was the one who had the, the Beskar spear and was had uh-huh. taken over that town. Yep. And she seems like the like she's the evil the evil one between them. And right. he's just a person who's who's executing a, a sort of like a, a plan of his own, but it, it doesn't have that that yeah. chaotic evil or like lawful evil sort of sort yeah. of feel to it. Yeah, I like that, and and, and it was interesting because I, I kind of misread the early goings of it because he almost comes across as as more mercenary. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, well, we're just kind of getting paid, but as things go along, you can tell that there's more to it than that. And then somewhere along the way, like halfway through, like the first episode, I clocked that the apprentice actually has like a Padawan braid. I'm just like, oh, shoot. Well, that's interesting. And he keeps referring to a lot a lot of Jedi things. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't talk about the Sith. He doesn't talk about his like that that he was he has some sort of like Sith lean or Sith upbringing. It's right. like he clearly was a Jedi at some point mm-hmm. and he's either discovered that things are grayer than than what we think or that he's gone a little to the dark side. Right. Or uh, or maybe not even dark side, but like like that things are not as black and white right as as the world has always told, you know, learners of the force. Right. Yeah, maybe like a true gray Jedi. Yeah. Not not unlike Ahsoka in a way. Right. Oh yeah, maybe cuz I mean she left the order um you know, rocking the the white sabers. Where whereas this dude is is I, I love the look of the orange blade yeah. because like you can tell, especially when the Inquisitor dude shows up, that that is a decidedly different shade of red and their blades are obviously orange, which I I, I I'm sure there's something to that, that that we'll find out as we go. But like, yeah, because what's the yellow blade is like guardian or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, as we saw with like the, you know, like the at at the shipyards and stuff, it's not so much that like, oh, the good guys won and now the bad guys are gone. It's it, like you were saying, it's it's shades of gray. There's no black and white. Um, and it, it was interesting to see that the the shipyard was was uh, uh, worked by you know ex imperials, and it's like, well, as long as they're getting paid, it's fine. But turns out it's not. Yeah. I was I was really kind of surprised at that because I I think that made it that that kind of undercut the point that they made earlier where like it's in the real world people aren't like good or evil you know all of us are just trying to like 
you know, get by at our jobs. It's like, oh, well, there's evil people working here. It's like it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. So I kind of yeah. like having that 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 just kind of hang there. But no, it turns out they're just they're just straight up evil. Yeah. Those quote unquote evil people that you see working somewhere, yeah. they have bills to pay. Yeah. They have families that love them. Right. You know what I mean? There's there's gray all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it also underlies some underlines something that you see in Andor. Yeah. Where that shift of of people who were former Imperials are now working for this new republic. Yeah. And where does their allegiance land? Right. How does it land? How does it influence what they do in this new environment that they're uh-huh. in? And again, that's a that's a good dynamic to to want to like move forward with. Mm-hmm. I think because it, it creates mystery and it creates like a sense of sort of unsureness about the the people that they're dealing with because good good stories you deal with with people like that all the time yeah you know people who are not necessarily we're the good guys we're the bad guys there's people in between all over and it makes for great storytelling I think absolutely and and it's interesting too because like I really liked Andor. Because I thought it was a welcome change of pace. It was more character driven. And there's like entire episodes where like nothing happened. Yeah. And, and, I, and I remember kind of getting into it with with one of our coworkers. And he was he was kind of huffing because it's like nothing happened. I'm like, yeah, nothing happened in this episode. What a delight. You know, that kind of thing. So I, I was I was ready for that kind of change of pace. Um, I know Andor isn't everyone's cup of tea, but. What I've found with Ahsoka here is it kind of splits the difference. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's action and suspense and character building and and character development, but it's not at a breakneck pace. It still takes its time to breathe. Yeah, and and I think in in those breaths also you get great cinematography and you get great shots, which. Like Andor had a little bit of that, but mm-hmm. it, a lot of it was real gray, and yeah, and, and a lot of it was, which which it needed to be. I mean, it it took place in a in a in a sterile New Republic space. Yeah, a lot of it, or it took place in you know the hills somewhere, right? Where that were all kind of grayed out, and like there weren't all these colorful, exciting places. Mm-hmm. But Ahsoka lets you take in a lot of these really beautiful shots and they've really created something kind of gorgeous out of out of just some of the still shots there yeah. the cinematography in it is great and and much like your buddy that you're talking about mm-hmm. I was not a I was not a big big one for Andor right. because I thought it didn't really have the 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 pacing that I liked in it yeah. like it moved a little too slow even for me mm-hmm, and those mm-hmm. episodes where stuff didn't happen I was like I, I waited a week for nothing to happen. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Sure, you know it's all part of all servicing a a a, a bigger realization down the road. And Andor is a fine um, a fine series. Yeah, in its totality, you know, in 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 its scope. But you know, there were some kind of some low lows there for me too. Right, right. Um, I, I was kind of intrigued that they released both episodes of Ahsoka at the same time. Love it. I feel like we got a movie and now I'm yeah. ready for I'm ready for another slice of cake nice. next week. So so they did it right then. I mean they they gave us the right portion of of serving without being too much. 
Can I just say, by the way, I I really wanted to put uh, on on actual tape at some point. Uh huh. They should have made Obi Wan just a movie. Yeah. Obi Wan should have been just or like three or four episodes or something because they clearly stretched that that show un, in an unneeded way and it 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 was sad. Threw a little too much. Uh uh, stretching in there. Uh, stretch that taffy a little too thin. Eight episodes for Ahsoka. Oof. Only eight. We've already seen a quarter of the series. Wow. So we uh, we have six more engagements. Wow. With, with Ahsoka. So now it makes me want to savor it that much more when, when it when it comes around. It's like, oh, man. I hope they're going to be good long episodes like like these were because they yeah, I don't I don't think they wasted a frame in any in any of what we saw so far. No, not at all. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of round out with like, you know, some of the, the, uh, highlights of like some of the performances, like, you know, uh, Rosario Dawson as, as Ahsoka is really good. Yeah. Um, I, I did, I did clock this while we were watching it though. It's like, it seems half of her dialogue is heavy sigh. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, <sighs> <laughs> and and it didn't help because like we had the captions on also so there's just so much where it's just closed captioning on the screen that just says you know sigh she she's a bit stoic yeah but but she's she's doing she's doing a lot I think with her with her stoic nature Rosario Dawson's yeah. doing she's doing a lot with her 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 lack of dialogue and putting a lot of of emoting in her face mm-hmm. and is doing a good job of that I I mean Mary Elizabeth Winstead without. Uh, without question, yeah, he's doing great. I I, I think as General, uh, what what's her name? Uh, Sendula. She's Hera, she's doing yeah. a damn good job. Yeah, and and that and that was a really cool character. And I don't I don't remember the original voice actor's name from Rebels, but like there was a part of me that was kind of bummed that that she didn't get the role for live action because like you, you look at a picture of her and she looks just like the animation model. Um, you know, aside from like the green makeup and the 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 Twi'lek, uh, um, you know, uh, tendrils and all that, all that other stuff, but still, um, I I like this version also, um, and it allows the character to kind of age up a little bit, um, you know, to be that like that you know veteran general yeah. uh, type of thing. And I don't have it in front of me, but like the the uh, person playing um, adult Sabine, I. I, I'm really picking up on what she's putting down. Yeah, also. she's killing it, dude. She, she's great. Um, I, I she she's really standing out to me because mm-hmm. I thought I was gonna watch this and I would be a little annoyed by by her just yeah. based on what I'd seen in uh, in the clips of of Rebels or whatever. Yeah. But again, we're talking about a few years down the road now, mm-hmm. so everyone has had a chance to kind of mature and 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 mentally grow up. Yeah. A little bit more, and I and I certainly feel that from her because she has more nuanced, you know, like thoughts and feelings about her relationships with other people. Yeah, more than more than I think like younger Sabine did back for the uh, the Rebels episodes. Sure, sure, yeah, that that's totally fair. And I I am I'm embarrassed to say I did I I just didn't piece this together um, until we were watching the credits for episode one, but that uh. That that mouthy robot is David Tennant. No, uh, it's not. Sure is. Yeah, huh. yeah. That's why they. That's why they put so much of that wobble on his voice. I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. Was because they wanted to. They didn't want you to be taken out of the moment by 
David Tennant, who has a pretty like recognizable, very distinctive voice. Yeah, yeah. And and once you know it's there, you kind of pick it up. But yeah, like you said, between like the 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 warbling and the processing and stuff, they kind of disguise it pretty well. But even so, it's a really good performance. I I agree. I I am here for uh for a a Kurt droid that that just like tells it like it is. Yeah, he's he he's snippy. And he has some really cutting lines in it. Too. Yeah, like, good man, good dry, good writing, bone good dry, writing. man. <laughs> I like it. No chill. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, again, like like we were saying, just I mean, a uh, uh, well performed, well written, well paced, well shot. I mean, the show looks great. Yeah. Um, at a time where, um, because of the technological advancements that we saw in Mandalorian where like they're using the volume. Um, some of the shows have not looked great. Like I remember Obi-Wan in particular kind of suffered from this where it's like, it just, it looks cheap. And the production value on Ahsoka reminded me of some of the uh, set pieces and cinematography from Andor, like where it's, mm. we're doing a lot of practical sets and we're doing a lot of practical items. Sure, there's a fair amount of CG as well, and there, there's a couple spots where where you can kind of kind of tell. But at no time does it feel cheap. Yeah, Mando season three, we're looking at you. Exactly, and I was gonna <laughs> say it's like you you look at the difference between a uh, Mando season three that that had to have had some kind of rush job on on the production of it. Same thing with Book of Boba Fett. That that felt very very cheap. At, and very like video looking, like the, just the the overall look and aesthetic of it. Yeah, at some point, someone at, at Disney was like, "Look, whatever you guys need, we can get it done, no matter the deadline." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then well, we saw, and and I think that's part of why I thought the Andor was so refreshing because I was like, "Oh my god, these the, these are real characters on real sets and real places and that kind of thing," and and that particular vibe and aesthetic has carried over into Ahsoka. It feels like they've been working on this for a long time, taking their time and, and the results are, are stellar. It again, looks great. Yeah. Don't mess, don't mess with Dave Filoni and John Favreau when they're, when yeah. they're in the pocket, man, just, just let them run wild and we're going to get more. I, I hope we get more of what we saw in these first two episodes for the, the latter, these latter six. Cause I'm, I'm very pleased with what we saw today. Yeah, and I I feel like they're they're tying off some plot threads from from Rebels and Clone Wars to a to a much lesser extent, um, bringing in some elements from Mando, but more than that, kind of just telling their own story. At least that's what I got from these first two episodes. Uh, um, so Ahsoka herself is just kind of more like the centerpiece linchpin type of thing, but it doesn't feel like she's specifically in the backseat of her own story. Like say like the book of Boba Fett where, yeah. where the title character, in fact, I, it is interesting. Like they, they were like two for two on like the title character, just kind of taking a backseat to other things. And I hope as we get further down the stretch, that we see more of Ahsoka being um, more of her and not just being like stoic and reacting to 
the plot around her um if if that legislation makes any no, sense. No, and it, it does because I think I think these two episodes did well to put the pieces in place mm. for her to be the focus now. It's like they they spent some time arranging the runes where they need to go. Yeah. And and putting in, you know, her gearing up, mm-hmm. putting in people who she needs around her. We saw the characters that are in play. Yeah. And now it's time to like, okay, now we're we're off on the adventure for real. Like we've seen part of the rising action and now we get to the rest of the rising action and the and the real climax of things. Yeah. And then and then the resolution, hopefully. Which should involve a lot of her and Sabine, one would hope. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I was I was pretty giddy when when Sabine shows up in the armor at the end. Yeah. Um feeling good. Yeah, yeah. Good good stuff. And and I would say I mean, again, like when you take characters from animation and put them into live action, like I, I think I, I, I might get some get some flack for this, but I, I think the design of the female Mandalorian helmets looks real dumb in live action. Bo-Katan looks real dumb in live action. Kind of the, the more curvy, curvy eyes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of more like a. Uh, it's not as tapered at the bottom and it's just very square and it's, it's meant to evoke the animation model. Whereas the animation style of rebels was a little different so that like, I mean like Sabine's helmet looks like it does from the show, but it also doesn't look dumb in live action. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative um, of that. And I, I'm hoping that we at least get to see, um, at least one alternate paint job on a on on her suit because like that that was one of my favorite things and I I uh, so so I'm a toy collector and the thing that really kind of bummed me out is that we didn't get like multiple Sabine figures with like different paint jobs because it's like it's right there and and you know to go off on a whole different tangent I felt like Rebels was one of those shows that was designed to um, sell toys that never existed mm. because like there's a bunch of different like stormtrooper variations and a bunch of like um, uh, troop carrier vehicles. It's, it's a very toyetic show for toys that don't exist. Mike, give it time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, so that's kind of some of, some of our um, hottest scorches takes. Well, I guess, I mean, uh, I know we're winding down, but I pretty I was, glowing review though thus far. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I mean, top marks. Yep. And and I haven't been this excited about Disney Star Wars in a while. Maybe since Mando season two. Yeah. Everything else has kind of felt like an obligation. Um. I mean, I liked Andor more than most. God, that's that's but, that's an excellent word for it. Because like, you don't want to miss you don't want to miss the plot points. You yeah. don't want to miss the, the, not the water cooler talk, but like you don't want to miss the finer points of Star Wars because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's Star Wars canon yeah. and like you you want to know about it because it's neat. It's something that you love and it's like you feel a little obligation to yeah. to the to the the material itself to want to know about it. But at the end of the day, you also got to enjoy the knowing about it too. Yeah, once you've once you're done with it. I was really engaged the whole time, mm-hmm. which is a, that's a great sign. Yeah. 
That's a great sign. Well, and it was interesting, too, because, like, so you and I watched this in, a, in our conference room at work together. You know, the lights off and got, got it on the big screen TV and all that other stuff. You know, we would make, like, kind of, like, snide comments like Mystery Science Theater uh, occasionally, but not often. And there were wide swaths of both episodes where we were just stone silent just watching it. And that's, to me, that's a good sign of how engrossing it is where, you know, I mean, again, I made a couple smart mouth cracks, but like not a lot. And most of them had to do with the with the subtitles. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> we were watching with subtitles on because that was how we had started it out because we wanted to be, you know, sonically respectful of the people that maybe <laughs> that maybe around us at first and then. We're not. We were not successful. No, we were not. <laughs> we got we got five minutes into it, and then people were like, uh, we're trying to work here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it didn't help that the episode just starts with a bang and people just start getting like sabered through immediately. And it's just like, I mean, better then than like halfway through. Yeah. But but th- but that speaks to the pacing. Yep. It's just like it it knows how to hook you in. I mean, you get like this pretty cool action sequence right off the bat. And um, and then, yeah, I mean, again, it takes its time, but it doesn't uh, skimp on the thrills. Um, and it doesn't let you out. It doesn't let let the hook out until they've tagged your ear successfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had a, a, one one particular highlight for you that you had pointed out to me. Um, so we we you and I are are uh, um, cat dads and cat lovers. Um, when uh, when we're in Sabine's home. Um, you see the the uh, reprise of the adorable loath cat from uh, from from Rebels, which that that's a creature I'm very familiar with. I mean, like it was like you know like a a spiritual totem at one point for for Ezra's uh, uh, journey um, as he was learning the Force. So so to see um, to see loath cats continue and to be brought to life in in live action, I thought was really really cool. But um, but yeah, th- there was there was a couple times where where he's he's cooing, looking for the looking for the pellets there, and <laughs> I'm just looking over at my buddy Sean, and I'm just like, oh, buddy, he's got it so bad for these guys. I love them, <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> they're little pellets, yeah, and they're they're little faces. I mean, how can you not love kitties? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for God's sake, she's a Jedi with a cat. She. <laughs> What more could I ask for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that reminds me too. It's like what what do you, what do you think of the perspective of putting uh Disney putting it on the plus at like 6 p.m.? Oh, I like that. I'm fine with that. Cuz yeah, like I'm into that. Cuz we started watching like like I don't know, maybe around 6:30 well, or something. Cuz before I'd like have that. to wake up at goddamn five, 5 in the morning so I could watch it. Or, you know, stay up till midnight, which sometimes wasn't going to happen, or get up extra early so I could watch it and then, you know, possibly talk about it at at work the day, you know, the next day. But, uh, you know, everybody else is, I just wanted to get a jump on it, and I'm glad that they have it at a reasonable time now. Yeah. Yeah. More like prime time. Yeah. Yeah. And and it kind of makes it, it, it didn't, it was kind of nice to not have the anxiety of staying off the internet to avoid spoilers. Yeah. Yes, yes, it, yes, yes. It was kind of nice to just experience that at a, a reasonable time, which I thought was pretty cool. Yes. Agreed. And, and, and it can be something that can happen after dinner now for a family. Yeah. If need be. 
as opposed to, hey, everybody stay off the internet. Don't don't get it spoiled. Right. Yeah, I I think I think that's a good move on their part. Yeah, I really like that. And and quite frankly, I hope that that's a model that continues. Yeah, you know, re- regardless. Um, Sean, thanks for enjoying this uh, this journey with me. This 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 was your idea. You were you were just like, hey man, let's uh let let's watch the Ahsoka. I was like, yeah, buddy. Now we have now we have a better place to watch it too. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time we can actually get the pizza that we talked about too. Oh, that's right. The and and gather more people because we can sit and not and not bother the others and and just do it. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah, I like that. I think I think that's something that we can uh, uh, pull off in the future, and um, and yeah, until uh, until next time, make good choices. Yeah, and may the force be, be with, with you. you. Yes. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, a few days after the first two episodes aired, I was joined by my fellow Sidefest Northwest organization team member and Ahsoka superfan Liz, a.k.a. Whirl, for a more uh, in-depth discussion on the episodes. And be sure and stick around to the end of this episode to hear more about the cool stuff that Liz is doing with Extra Life this year and how you can help their team raise funds for Children's Miracle Network. I will also have a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about how you can help. But for now, let's just jump right back in with Liz and what they thought of the show. Um, well, I have a whole a whole Google Doc of notes that I took on the show. Um, my, my, my overall, I'm, I'm very positive about it. I have some criticisms, but but overall, I'm very happy, and I'm very, I'm I'm just thrilled that we're at this point in Star Wars where we have an Ahsoka show, and I know I know there are people that will say yes, we already had an Ahsoka show. I know, I know we did, <laughs> but we we've got we've got another one, and it's called Ahsoka, so I'm very excited. There you go, and because at least that other show wasn't actually called Ahsoka, even though it was the Ahsoka show. I, I've got I've got notes on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, so just uh, so I, I I like that that's kind of where we're starting. But let's in that case, let's go further back then. And like you had uh, you had pitched this episode to me. Uh, I I want to say like a, a week before the show dropped, and just basically like you know kind of um, just hey like hey hey Mike. Uh, Ahsoka podcast question mark. <laughs> I think that is exactly the message that I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, sh- possibly. Um, and then, and then it became more affirmative. It was just like, certainly that's, I think that's something, uh, that we could do. Um, but basically like, you know, we've, we've been meaning to, sit down just you and I and just talk about like whatever for what feels like months, potentially longer. It's, um, it's, I remember uh, the the first time I was on here, uh, we talked about uh, a Windblade figure a, a few years, a few years ago now. Uh, and I, I said, at some point we need to just sit down and talk about star Wars. And you were like, yeah. And then, you know, slam cut to now. Here we are. Yeah. Finally <laughs> smash cut. Boom. Like, like if I, if, if I was doing one of those Tic Tacs that the young people are excited <laughs> about, I'd put my hand up and then it, it, then it would fast forward to, to now. And, and I honestly, I, I'm glad that the opportunity has come now because I feel like Ahsoka in specific 
for us to have a conversation seems very, very fitting. Like, you know, we had talked about wanting to talk about like Bad Batch or uh, uh, final season of Clone Wars. And, you know, obviously it came down to timing and opportunity, but um, this feels the most right. I'm, I'm really excited to have this, uh, this chat here with you. Absolutely. I am. I'm just thrilled that I'm here. So let's, so for, for every podcast is somebody's first podcast and it might be something where folks are like, uh, these, these Fulio sound like they know each other. Like they have like some like shorthand that goes, um, that, that goes further back. Um, so Liz and I are on the organization team for Sidefest Northwest. And if you've been looking at my output, podcast wise for like the the last several months that is our uh convention our our transformers convention unofficial transformers convention by the fans for the fans here in the pacific northwest we just recently celebrated our 10th annual convention and not to necessarily get us off on a a tangent talking about transformers which i, I i'm sure we we might end up there um eventually but I, because of like time and opportunity and moving on with other content, I haven't really talked a whole lot about kind of post Cybefest here on Mike Cybert Radio. Like uh, Michael Andrews asked me about it uh, during our most recent episode of Two Mikes Too Furious, but uh, but I I haven't really talked about like post Cybefest too much. So I, I guess before we kind of move on into the 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 Ahsoka chat, kind of how now that we're like I don't know. Uh, almost two months, month and a half, give or take, um, away from our 10th annual Cybefest as we look forward to our next annual Cybefest. How how do you feel about how Cybefest went and kind of our, our place in the Pacific Northwest Transformers fandom scene? Well, it's a it's very much a double-edged sword. Um, I So I'm drinking the Cybefest Kool-Aid, like absolutely, 100%. I am always like, oh my God, Cybefest, I love Cybefest. Nothing could go wrong with Cybefest. But the other side of the sword is me going, oh my god, I can't believe this thing went this way. We have got to do this ten times better next year. So, yeah. it's, uh, I, it is, I, I love Cybefest with all my heart, and it can do no wrong. Also, I'm going to do 80 billion things different next year. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, I, was, I was thrilled with Cybefest uh, Northwest. Uh, I have, so I'm about two-thirds of the way through the latest uh, Two Mics, Two Furious um and i i you know hearing you rehash the the panera bread with paul eiding was very fun oh um, my gosh yes <laughs> but yeah um no it was uh i would you know it was just it Cybefest is like i feel like if we did everything wrong in the under the sun it would still be like just an incredible experience just by nature of having that many like cool people in the same room mm-hmm. um it is it, it's always going to be fun no matter how badly we we, we screw it up that being said, I, I'm making it sound like we did absolutely everything wrong this year. I feel like we did a lot of things really well this year. There are always yeah. things that need there are always things that need improvement. Um, but no, I think our 10th anniversary went very well. I I agree, and I I think kind of what we're um, hinting as like you know we took some pretty big swings, you know, and and it was an ambitious show, and we did a lot of cool things, and we did a lot of things right, and I think 
it's you don't really realize until you do a thing that's like, oh man, we uh we we may have uh, overexerted ourselves <laughs> in 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 this category here, you know, you know those kinds of things, and and you you have to kind of uh, run and stumble and fall on your face a few times to kind of figure out the way to do things, especially when you're being more ambitious, like we were for uh for the 10th annual show because it, it was you know i mean it was no small thing it was it was the 10th annual show so we we really wanted to um swing for the fences as it were mm -hmm. yeah no i think we 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 did really well on a lot of things but i feel like there's a handful of things that every single year we were like we've got it this time it's gonna go perfect and then we uh we we go and we do it and we're like ah that 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 wasn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cool. So you could uh, you could keep up with all of our adventures at the website Cybefest uh, C Y B F E S T N W dot com uh, to check out uh, the convention that was and uh, keep an eye out for news about the convention that will be next year. Because spoiler alerts, we're uh, we're coming back for year eleven. So um, bar, I, I, hold on, hold on. Bar a giant global pandemic. Oh, sure. <laughs> because fair we enough. said this in 2019. <laughs> well, to be fair, we we did have a Cybefest of a sort in, in 2020. But right. yeah, uh, but yeah. yes, no, you're 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 absolutely right. Um we we are certainly planning on returning. How about that? <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll allow it. There you go. Perfect, perfect. So um so getting back to Star Wars and more specifically um, Ahsoka, um, you know, we, we all have our characters that we gravitate towards, you know, uh, listeners of my show know that Soundwave is my favorite transformer. Uh, you know, uh, snake eyes from GI Joe is up there for me. And obviously I'm a fan of the Fett. I, uh, you know, I've liked Boba Fett since I was like, like five years old. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have a few characters that are, that are in that pantheon. And when I um, started to get to know you, Liz, I, I think like, you know, it's like, Oh, that, this person really likes Windblade, and it's like even even beyond like so we talked about like the Transformer stuff, but it's like you know you kind of pull me aside, and it's just like but but that Ahsoka, that's where it's at, man. That that's my jam. So um, and, and like I said, we we've always wanted to um, kind of talk about Star Wars and talk about the character of Ahsoka, but I guess my question before we kind of start litigating the show and all of your notes uh which i'm very excited about because I, I ironically enough um i have very little notes so i'll be i'll be excited to to hear what um uh hear your perspective on it but kind of kind of take us through the beginning of like what is it about ahsoka that resonates with you so much and why uh why you like this character so much yeah, absolutely. So I, I did anticipate this question and I wrote out the timeline of events uh, oh, cool. that has, has led to this. Um, but no, so I, I've always been Ahsoka's target audience. Um, so I'm, I'm 26 years old. Um, 2008, the Clone Wars animated movie uh, came out in theaters. Uh, I was 11 years old. Uh, and I had watched my, I, you know, my dad is who got me into Star Wars. Um, and so I had previously seen all the live action movies and the 2003 Clone Wars series. 
uh, I think at that point I had seen a censored version of Revenge of the Sith um, because there were some, some violent parts that young me was not quite ready for. Oh, sure. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, you know, 2008, the, the Clone Wars animated movie comes out. It is my first Star Wars movie in a theater. Um, and, and, you know, think what you need to about that experience and that being someone's first theater Star Wars movie. Um, because I, you know, I went and I saw High School Musical 3 with a friend a few months later in theaters. That's where I was <laughs> in life. Sure. Um, but so I'm 11 years old. Um, Ahsoka is, is this 14 year old annoying little brat. I love her. I'm like, oh, yeah, we need more annoying little brats in TV. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so I, I was excited. Um, my I think this was at the point the first couple seasons, everyone was like, this kid's annoying. Um, she's, you know, like the kid appeal character. We don't like her. Right. That that I feel like turned around pretty quickly. I was not super cognizant of fan reactions to things on account of being 11. Um, but uh, 2013, about five years later, the temple bombing art comes out. Um, and that's where Ahsoka is uh, framed essentially for mass murder uh, and exiled from the Jedi Order. I am 16 years old. I am going through the things that a 16 year old is going through. Ahsoka is also 16. Um, so I, uh, it, it's difficult to describe kind of the, the feelings that come with growing up with a character. Um, and, and a little bit after that, 2014, uh, all the way through 2018 was Star Wars Rebels. Um, I grow from being 17 to being 21. Uh, at some point during this time, I, I met Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka's voice actress at uh, Emerald City, and uh, I, I, the way I described it to her was I was becoming an adult at the same time Ahsoka was becoming an adult. Mm. Um, and then uh, 2020, uh, my age has doubled since the Clone Wars movie came out. I am 22 now. Uh, season 7 of the Clone Wars releases. It is rough. Um, <laughs> I have just like bought an apartment, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, not bought an apartment. I've started, you know, living in an apartment, renting an apartment. Uh, I've moved out from my parents' house, you know, kind of again, becoming an adult. Um, but now we're flash forward. It's 2023. I am 26 years old. I'm married. I own a home. Uh, Ahsoka is in her mid forties and has begrudgingly taken on a Padawan, which is basically the same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> i love that um but no so i've i've always described it as ahsoka is the character that i have grown up with i've grown up alongside her um and i have always been the target audience for ahsoka and as a result of being the target audience for a character i now own thousands thousands of dollars of ahsoka's uh, merchandise um i was for a very long time an ahsoka completionist collector because there was not a ton of merch for her now there is by God, a ton of merch for her, which is great, but it means I cannot be a completionist collector anymore. <laughs> um, so that's 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 my relation, and I know that I, I went very deep in that, but uh, that that's where I'm at in life, and that's where Ahsoka's at in life. So, no, that's that that's what I was looking to dig into. It reminds me a little bit of our uh, fellow Sidefest organization team member, Ben, and he thought he would start a Bumblebee collection at a time where the where Bumblebee fandom was kind of fallow and not a whole lot of Bumblebee out there. And that was uh, that was right before that that live action movie popped off. So kind of kind of famous last words. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, like, you know, as as someone who's been into Boba Fett, I had a little bit of that, but like somewhere in like the mid nineties, somebody figured out it's like, Hey man, if we put that obscure buckethead dude on, on stuff, people will buy it. So I had 
a whole lot of Boba Fett tchotchkes and it became like the popular thing for like my family to get me at Christmas time. In fact, it still is. In fact, not, not, yeah. Yeah, not, not, a, not a Christmas goes by that, like, my aunt and uncle uh, don't get me some kind of Boba Fett something, whether it's, like, a, a water bottle or a thumb drive or, or something. But it's, it, it's interesting because, yeah, I, I never really set out to be, like, complete. In fact, even with, like, the action figures, I, I'm not complete. There's all kinds of gaps because... Uh, um, you know, Transformers fans know all about mold reuse, but yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's just way too many of the same damn guy. And it's just like, I don't, I don't need all that, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of interesting how a, a character can grow and develop seemingly from scratch, like Ahsoka has to the point where, like you were saying, Liz, there, there's now an oppressive amount of stuff that, that you can't keep up with. Absolutely. So you, uh, I was, I was going to bring that up too. When you start identifying with a character and, and being like, Oh, this is my favorite character. Um, the like kind of tangential people who don't know what to get you for like birthdays and like Christmas and things like that will latch onto that. Um, and it is, it is so sweet and so incredibly well-meaning. Um, I have, uh, last year for Christmas, uh, there's this licensed Ahsoka mug that came out and it's like, it's, it's awful. Um, her name is spelled wrong on it. Like it came with this candy that tasted awful. Uh, I now have two of those. <laughs> um, I got like a, someone got me a, um, I think, I think my mother-in-law actually got me a, uh, like a phone holder bust statue of Ahsoka. Um, she found it at a flea market. Um, but like, so I have all this like weird Ahsoka stuff and it is my favorite Ahsoka stuff now. Like just this like, like weird, quirky, like licensed stuff. Um, that you like just would not even think to look for. It's the best merch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's the stuff that you wouldn't buy for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that that reminds me exactly of like my my Boba Fett uh, thermos mug thing. It's just like it's it's wildly impractical. It's very well painted, but it's like I can't take that to work. Come on, man. That that's that's just silly. I I I do have an appreciation for bad merch. Yeah, that merch is the most fun merch. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but you know, you uh, um, you know, as as we've talked about, like you know, so you've got you've got merch, you've got toys, you got you got clothes, but your uh your Ahsoka fandom goes uh goes skin deep as well, right? <laughs> does yes i um i do have a fulcrum tattoo on my back i've got so i've got the the classic rebel insignia tattoo right very nice very simple um but it's also got uh the uh fulcrum insignia which is like a it's a shape used by the rebellions uh i guess informants uh who use the title fulcrum um and uh cassian andor is another fulcrum agent uh, right. But the symbol itself is based off of Ahsoka's markings on her forehead because she was the first Fulcrum agent and the founder of the Fulcrum title. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a, a symbol that is sort of identified with her. Uh, so that is inside the Rebel insignia on my back. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and and that comes into play uh, in in the uh, in the episodes here as uh, as we get into the show. Um, so I guess. Uh, still kind of laying some some groundwork. Um, the the thing that I wondered about this show going into it, because it's um, I suppose technically 
a spinoff of Mandalorian as kind of like it seems like the 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 five years post Return of the Jedi kind of seems to be in what Disney has landed on is kind of like the prime timeline now where they've decided to plant the flag and say like, well, this this is the source of everything. We're not going too much further back with with the exception of Andor. But it just seems like with like their live action stuff with um, uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, that it just kind of seems like that this seems to be the time period that they want to mess around in. We've we've met live action Ahsoka before, uh, as portrayed by Rosario Dawson, and for me at least, I didn't quite know what to expect from an Ahsoka show. It's like, and, and having lived through the book of Boba Fett, where we're trying to spin off solo characters from, from Mando, um, I want to say kind of like post book of Boba Fett, I was maybe a little more nervous about what Ahsoka could be, um, perhaps than I was before (laughs) book of Boba Fett. I'll just, uh, you know, kind of leave that there, uh, for a moment there, but I, I guess, you know, what, one of the things we're going to talk about within this conversation is kind of hopes and dreams for what the Ahsoka show will be now that we've seen the first two episodes. But um, a very long way of getting around to asking, what were your kind of expectations and thoughts about what this live action Ahsoka series could be when it was announced? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. There were a lot. Uh, I have a lot of hopes and dreams for this show, um, but I, I'm very. I, I try. I'm trying to keep it reserved because I. I don't want to ruin this for myself. I guess if that makes sense. Um, there's. I, I was expecting a, a. You know, Rebels two. Rebels the sequel. Um, because of the way that Rebels left off with Ahsoka. You know, in her Gandalf robe, standing outside the the mural and looking at Sabine, and Sabine looking back, and I'm like, oh, something's gonna happen there. And then mm-hmm. here, here we are. Um, it does feel like we still missed a decent gap. Um, and I, I don't know if they're doing that intentionally so they can keep going back and saying, Oh, here's Ahsoka the prequel, you know? Um, yeah. but no, so there's, there's a lot that I want from this show. Um, but I, again, I very much, I want to let it do its own thing and stand for itself. Um, in an era where, you know, fans are, are very much demanding, I can't believe you did this and not letting, you know, my 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 favorite guy didn't show up, and I didn't have the the cameo that I wanted, and the plot beats didn't hit exactly the way I wanted them to. Um, I want I want to let the the story and the narrative happen the way that I guess naturally it it, it needs to, instead of the way that fans are you know projecting and saying this needs to happen or the show's gonna suck. Right. Um, I, I think you know let stories tell themselves is a is a thing that I say a lot. Um, but I you know I, I've got things that I'd like to see, but I'm not going to be like oh it's ruined if I don't see that. So. Gotcha, gotcha. So one one of the the larger elephants in the room I, I would like to address again before we get into the episode prompter. I, I promise we'll talk about the episodes eventually. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I so being as attached to this character as you have been, literally growing up with her, you know, you've seen her portrayed in animation and obviously uh voiced by uh by Ashley Eckstein or Eckstein or which 
how, how does she pronounce her name? I don't remember. Uh, I want to say it's Eckstein, but okay. don't quote me on that. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, as, as portrayed by the original voice actor. Um, so when Ahsoka shows up in Mandalorian and we knew that that character was going to show up. Rosario Dawson had been announced as uh, as Ahsoka in live action. How did that appearance resonate with you? Like, were uh, did you have any um, any surliness or or bitterness towards like, hey man, can, can can we put Ashley in the in the suit? You know that that kind of thing. <laughs> Just kind kind of talk a little bit about like you know first encountering this version of Ahsoka. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always knew it was going to be hard to translate Ahsoka to live action. She is an incredibly fluid character. Um, and her, she's always been one of those kind of like agile, jumpy force users. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I first saw her in Mando, it was, it was jarring. Um, and, and, you know, there is only so much you can do to take a character that is as, as agile and fluid as Ahsoka is in animation and move that to live action. Um, but when, when I first saw her in Mando, I was, I was very unhappy with the, uh, the, I don't know, I don't know if prosthetics is the right word, but the, the Montrals and the, and the head tails. I was um, going to ask you about that. I, <laughs> I was anticipating a tendril length, uh, having, <laughs> having legislation about the length of the prosthesis. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it is, I mean, if you compare the way she looks in Mando to the way she looks in Rebels, it is extremely different. Um, and we've, uh, in animation, we've always seen the, uh, the, uh, Togruta. I don't think I've ever actually said that word out loud. Mm. Um, the, the, the species that Ahsoka is, um, mm -hmm. we've always seen them with, uh, their, their head tails are always the length is an indicator of their age. Um, and so hers were super long because she was older. Um, and now they're, they're fairly short just because of the way, you know, makeup and prosthesis works and, and, you know, the limitations that we have with technology like that. Um, and, and I, I do think it like, I, I don't know if I'd like it better if it was CGI. Um, but I do trust that, you know, someone made the comparison and said, okay, this is going to have to be like a, a physical prosthesis to work. Um, so I, I do, I do trust that. And I do like the way it looks. They've made some improvements between Mando and Ahsoka and they mm -hmm. do look a little bit better. Um, but it is still very off putting to with how still she is. Um, because I am used to her, you know, leaping around and doing flips and jumps and all that. And again, there are only there's only so much you can do when it comes right. to that in live action. Um, there were a few shots, and I know we're not getting too into the episode quite yet, but there were a few shots in the episode where, like, uh, I think twice, like she was chasing a ship and the ship took off, and it's like a few yards in front of her, and like the animated Ahsoka would have like easily done a force jump and landed on that ramp and kept going. Right. And she would just like stand there and look irritated at them. And I'm like, come on, jump. <laughs> you can do it. Um, and I, and I did, I did write down. She's, she is mid forties here, but that's never stopped other mid forties force wielders. Sure. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, see you, you undercut my joke there. Cause I, I was going to say, it's like, well, having aged with the character, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I don't jump I, like I used to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Honestly, but, I don't remember the last time I jumped. Let's be real. <laughs> I, you could still rock the Heelys though, so and move by uh, smoothly. So I'll uh, I'll take I that. Can, I, I can Healy. <laughs> um, all right, so I I think that's a 
that's kind of a, a enough preamble of you know just kind of like enough groundwork. I mean, again, as 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 folks know, I I like to I like to combat this stuff chronologically and just uh just make sure that there's like an adequate foundational base uh, for which to build upon. Um, so the the thing that I thought was interesting is like this uh the episodes were set to drop on Wednesday the 23rd and it always been like Wednesday the 23rd and Wednesday has kind of been a Disney plus day. Like that's when they had put um, the Marvel stuff out. That's when they had put the star Wars stuff out and depending upon like time zones and, and things like that. Um, and we just thought that that was going to be the way to go. And then I don't remember what day it was, but it was like less than a week out. I want to say maybe actually it was maybe the Friday before, like on the 18th or something like that. It was like, psych, we're uh, we're moving the premiere up to Tuesday the 22nd. It's going to be two episodes and we're going to put them out at six o'clock p.m. Pacific. Um, I think I think it was time zoned because like I think it was like six Pacific, nine Eastern. It was meant to be like quote unquote dinner time or something like that. Prime time, I think was the term that I, I heard thrown around. Um, when that news hit your radar, what, uh, what'd you think about that? Did that, did that make any difference to you? Do you think anything of it? Um, so it didn't make a huge impact on me and I honestly wasn't super surprised about it. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, but they did something very similar with the Obi-Wan premiere. Um, that one was also slated for, I believe, a, a Wednesday midnight and got pushed to a Tuesday at, I, I think, 9 p.m. Um, and I, I think the logic behind oh. that was that they wanted a more reasonable premiere time so that they could say, like, you know, oh, look how many people watched right at the premiere. Um, but uh, and then the uh, Obi-Wan came out at 9 p.m. Ahsoka came out at 6 p.m. So I think they were, you know, gunning for that even more, uh, you know, watch this after dinner, which is what I did. Yeah. Uh, watch this with uh you know people after work or whatever it is um because there you know there's so many people that want to do like premiere events like there are those huge star wars fans that are having parties for this you know yeah um and, and you know you can't really do that at midnight on a tuesday <laughs> right so. because because usually come wednesday you're you're spending your time trying to stay off social media to avoid the spoilers and you know what what you had just said liz is literally what i did you know you you had said that you know you watched it after dinner um i watched it with my buddy sean here at work we we literally after we clocked off of work went over to the conference room and and watched the episode and that's and that's something i've never done with friends before like you know um i i had forgotten about the obi-wan thing um and so it's one of those things where water cooler discussions like hey man did you watch the episode oh not yet i'll probably get to it tonight maybe tomorrow that kind of thing so it was it was really cool to actually have the opportunity to be like hey man this thing is coming out right now let's go watch it right now um and and that i i think i'll, I'll be honest i i think that uh influenced my level of engagement with the show because there there was kind of a level of excitement where it's like you know i'm watching it with my buddy we're, we're just clocking off of work and we're sitting there in this dark conference room and it's like oh th this is so cool you know it kind of felt like almost kind of like a a almost like slumber party type of vibe 
Whereas, yeah. you know, when, you know, when I'm watching regular stuff, you know, it's, it, it's me and Lucky and, and it's great. I mean, it's good times, but it's just like, you know, it, it's prime time, uh, television watching you know just like anything else you watch on the dvr it's not quite as um uh eventful i i suppose might be a good word for that i mean th this felt like an event for us it was it was really neat like we took time to do it yeah absolutely no i i would not be surprised at all if this is a a you know a marketing team kind of decision uh, because I, I do think it's much better at generating chatter when it's a thing Instead of a, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm going to stay up till midnight. And then, you know, kind of your normal friends are like, okay, anyways, I might watch it this weekend, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Whereas this made it more accessible. Um, so I guess, and, and through the prism of forgetting about the Obi-Wan thing, do you think that it goes back to uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, midnight, or are we looking at like a, a primetime release going forward? Um, so I, I, and I, I'd have to look this up to be, be certain if they've already released these, but I, I am anticipating midnight releases from here on out. Gotcha. Um, and and I, I might be completely off base on that. I might be completely wrong. Um, but, uh, I, cause I think, and again, I think that's what happened with Obi-Wan was they did the, uh, the premiere early and then they did the midnight releases for everything else because the, the premiere is, you know, this is, you know, Hey, this thing is, is, is starting. It's out. And then after that, it's okay. Now you can watch it on weekends and we won't be mad at you. <laughs> yeah. You know, get, getting those numbers as right. it were. Um, so, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, so part one is called Master and Apprentice. And it opens in a way that we haven't seen Star Wars open for a while. And in fact, opens in a way that we've never seen Star Wars open. It, it opens with a scroll which I was surprised about, but it's, it's a red scroll. And it's and, flat. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> angle. No. I mean, like the, like the music is there, but it's the, the mood is foreboding and spooky. Yeah. Um, so I, and I'm not sure if this is supposed to harken back to Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, but, uh, I don't, I don't know if this is something you remember. They'd change the, the crawl fonts color and the, um, the title color depending on kind of the theme of the episode. Um, oh, that's right. So, yeah. So, you know, like Darth Maul episodes, for example, I think were usually red. Um, and, and so I saw that and my immediate response was Darth Maul. <laughs> and that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't right at all, but I had been conditioned for that. Ah, <laughs> uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, so I, I like that the episode starts off with pretty much a bang. Like, you know, you, you get this, rebel cruiser of soon to be dead meats and these people have star trek red shirt vibes uh, like immediately it's like you know these knuckleheads are going to be immediately murdered <laughs> <laughs> oh um so yeah so you you get the uh the the first appearance of these i i keep wanting to refer to them as gray jedi but i don't I mean, basically, like, like my my impression of Balin is that he's a mercenary, right? Yeah, no, it's it's very kind of up in the air right now on kind of, I guess, where they stand, and like I said, with the conditioning, oh, they got red lightsabers, they're bad guys, um, but we don't really know that, uh, and 
like not to skip forward too much, but Balin does, you know, kind of indicate that he may not be entirely evil. So right, right. Like he he appears to have a no shortage of reverence for Ahsoka, and seems to still be you know very attuned with the Force and not necessarily as a dark side uh you know a wielder of the dark side like you know his his powers seem to be more in line with um light side users than dark side users right yeah we don't see him doing any of the kind of typical i guess dark side stuff yeah i mean like there's there's some mild choking but i mean we saw we saw luke do some light choking so you know (laughs) it's 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 still kind of like in the in kind of the the same category there so um you know i i i don't i don't know how much of like full episode uh, uh recaps we're going to do here but i guess um l- let me just kind of ask you what like your your impressions of these first couple characters that that we meet you know we see balin and and what we learned to be his um his apprentice yeah so right away i, w- I was like oh these guys are kind of cool um shin especially uh the first shot of her 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 padawan braid is very prominent yeah uh, and, and i think that does kind of say something about balin as well and that he's sort of traditional and, and kind of keeps those those jedi traditions going because i i can't think of a time when we've seen a sith uh well okay like immediately i can't think of a time when we've seen a sith apprentice with a padawan braid right. um but and again that being said a lot of the times the sith apprentices we see don't necessarily have hair <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but the um but no shin, shin was very cool um she does seem like she is a little bit more dark side e than balin is um but i i you know i'm, I'm super interested to see what happens with them because right now they're still pretty mysterious um mm-hmm. shin's got no issues with you know stabbing people um and th- both of them murdered quite a few people right off the bat oh yeah uh, but uh like i said it does seem like we're gonna see some some interesting you know character development and exploration as far as uh i think i think one uh, hmm, sorry i'm trying to find the words in the right order um but i think a, a, a heavy theme i'm expecting from this show is about what a jedi is um and i'll i'll dive into that probably a little bit deeper later on um but uh, and, and going to kind of the marketing, Ahsoka is frequently referred to as a former Jedi Knight, um, and she was she was never a Jedi Knight. She never made it to being a Jedi Knight. Uh, right. She was offered to be a Jedi Knight if she would come back, and she said, "No, you guys kind of screwed me over. I'm not going to come back. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave." Um, so she she never made it to Jedi Knight. So it's interesting to me that she has been you know frequently referred to at this point as a former Jedi Knight. Um, so I, I think that is going to be a heavy theme because she has very pointedly said i am not a jedi uh in rebels she has a very powerful line where she says i am no jedi i have a water bottle that says that nice <laughs> nice but uh so so that's you know a thing that she has not previously identified with at all and has very pointedly avoided identifying with that um mm-hmm. so I, I do i do see that being a heavy theme in this series about what is a jedi um and and now that we're talking about balin and shin what is a sith um and I, I think that's going to be an interesting exploration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the things that that strikes me as interesting about what this show is putting down is that we're kind of dealing in the ill-defined gray of both 
belief systems. It's like it's you know it's like the the thing Obi Wan says. You know, it's like you know only a Sith deals in absolutes. You know that that's it's kind of the conditioning for the audience has been like Jedi are good, Sith are evil. You know, black and white. You know, very very binary. And what I like is that these characters all kind of seem to just kind of exist and seem to exist without the ideology of either philosophy, you know, whether, whether it's Jedi or Sith, they're just, uh, you know, to, to quote a certain other, um, uh, Mandalorian bounty hunter, um, just, uh, just trying to make their way in the galaxy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I think too, um, and I, again, I don't want to skip forward too far, but with the Night Sisters being brought into play, um, which I was also very excited about. Um, I, I, I don't remember exactly how to say her name. I believe it was Elspeth. Yes. Um, is it is a Night Sister? Um, and and tying back to, I, I think uh, uh, Ahsoka was asked like, how did you get information out of her? And Ahsoka basically implied that she had you know threatened and tortured her, or, or not, not quite tortured maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're very much saying, oh, this was certainly Anakin's apprentice, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, with with a proclivity for bending the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, having the Night Sisters brought into play, I think, will if 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 that is explored, which is a thing I'd like to see, rather than just a name dropping like oh the Night Sisters. Um, if they explore the Night Sisters at all, we will get to see, I think, quite a bit of that kind of morally gray alignment. Hmm. Um. It's been a while since I've seen that episode of Mando, but was was Lady Morgan identified as as Night Sisters? Was was, was there any kind of like name drop there? I don't remember. So unless I missed it, um, I, that feels like a thing I definitely would have remembered because I, mm-hmm. I get all giddy when the Night Sisters are brought up. Sure, sure. I, um, Asajj Ventress was part of my my gay awakening. Um, but <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think I would remember that. I think this was the first time she mentioned like, oh, yeah, the Night Sisters are my ancestors. Gotcha. So I, I you can tell that it's a lot of the Dave Filoni world building here and Absolutely, that, yeah. and, and that basically, I mean, I mean, this dude has quietly become like the preeminent voice in star Wars stel- storytelling, because turns out this goofy cartoon that he was working on turns out to kind of form the entire backbone of latter day star Wars. It seems. Absolutely. No, I think Clone Wars has been pivotal in building out Star Wars um, because it, it's uh, once you've watched Clone Wars, the prequels are better for yeah. it um, because Anakin's character development just makes a lot more sense um, mm-hmm. because he has now had seven seasons of a TV show to back that up rather than just kind of going from being an angsty teenager to have never grown out of being an angsty teenager. And now he's getting everyone killed for it. Um, right. it, it, it makes more sense because of Clone Wars. And I feel like, you know, because they had seven seasons of a TV show to build out the universe, it really paid off. Absolutely. So and, you know, I, I had mentioned that I think like kind of the Mandoverse is kind of the, you know, kind of the the prime timeline. But I also think it's brilliant and deft how Dave Filoni has partnered with John Favreau and really kind of interwoven 
the 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 rich tapestry from from Clone Wars and Rebels and really kind of um hijacked isn't the right word because th there's a part of me that feels like this was the plan the whole time and you know and and not to put things on a controversial note I I wasn't the biggest fan of Mando season 3 because I mean I I'm trying to have it both ways here because like on one hand I could say that I I feel like the the world building storytelling work is being done that like all the foundation is being laid but by the same token I also kind of feel like you know my my lone gunman on a road to redemption and uh and and learning how to be a good dad has been kind of hijacked by all of these cartoon people um <laughs> so it's like i i i do feel a little bit of conflict i i feel both ways at the same time it's like i like that the world has gotten larger and i appreciate the perspective of these cartoon characters and concepts being brought to life but there's a part of it too where it's just like i i, I don't know if it was just because mando was such a a meteoric success that they're just like oh man we're gonna graft all of this onto mando now or if that was the plan the whole time i'm not specifically sure but um i'm not exactly going anywhere with this other than to say like i i do feel a degree of conflict because i i feel like that that din Djarin's storyline has kind of been hijacked by like everybody else but i also like seeing everybody else at the same time if that if that makes a lick of sense no it absolutely does um you you mentioned the world is getting larger i i think it's it feels the opposite way it feels like the world is getting smaller because this cast of characters keeps showing up in places mm. um, there's and, and you know i do understand like there's a rebellion and these people are part of it and if mando is dealing with the rebellion there is a chance he's going to run into these people right um but it's the, the world does feel a little bit smaller for it when everyone else is involved in his adventures that he's having and yeah. he's just kind of a guy you know <laughs> um as far as the the context of star wars goes he's just a dude he's right. he's he's here he's making his way in the world and i'd like to see stories about this dude making his way in the world mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. uh, you know but you know things like he meets zeb in a bar that's cool that's awesome um and he, it was very much, you know, we didn't hear like Zeb's story or anything. Zeb like showed up and like had his little one liner and he left and everyone went, woohoo, Zeb. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody DiCaprio memes at that. Yeah, and exactly. Like, ooh, ooh, you know, Zeb in live action. Like, like I knew what that was, but folks in my circle of friends had no idea that they, they just thought he was a, a computer generated creature hanging out with the pilots. Right. Yeah, no, but I, I do think it makes the world feel smaller and Star Wars is such and always has been such a huge world um, that we, we don't really need to see these people. And I think it becomes a case of the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, fans having an impact on the story rather yeah. than the story telling itself. Um, and it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, you know, things like, you know, marketing and, and you know, attracting fans from other series and things like that come into play and it becomes kind of a necessity. Um, but is it, you know, right. The story could tell itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and once you start chasing that 
fan reaction dragon. Like, like when you start serving the fans, you end up with something like the rise of Skywalker, you know, where it's like, it's in an effort to please somebody, it ends up pleasing nobody. Right. Um, um, there was a, there's, there's been some cases of like Hera and chopper and the ghost showing up in like blurry background shots of the, of the, uh, of the movies. And I think stuff like that is great and cool. Um, and, and kind of leads to that fan chatter, um, without taking away from what is going on. Does that make sense? It, it does. Like, um, like they're, they're in rogue one. You yeah. know, it's like it's like you you see Chopper go across the same hangar bay, and there's like a, a crackle over the intercom, something about General Sindula. Um, but then, like for me, like th- that's that's neat. But then that scene is kind of ruined by having goddamn R two D two and C three PO right there. It's like if there if there was anything <laughs> I could take out of that movie, it's that because like you know that and like the knuckleheads that you know Doctor Evazan and Ponda Baba. It's like you know, get get that out of there. I don't I don't I don't want that. Um, right. Which is weird because I I love references, but that um, I, I I compare it to like you know elbow jabs. You know, it's like I I don't mind an elbow jab, but I don't want my ribs to hurt afterwards. Yeah, you know, it's like hey exotic. hey, you know, it's 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 the they're from the other movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing that that I could kind of do without. Um, so and and it's kind of interesting to talk about things from that perspective, given how reliant Ahsoka is on knowledge of rebels i mean it's like i i knew that it was going to try to pick up on some of those plot threads because i mean you had mentioned it you know you get that flash forward ending in the last episode of rebels but then like i guess i didn't expect ahsoka the same ahsoka that had been spun out of mandalorian to just be rebel season five i i wasn't quite expecting that yeah no when i when i saw the trailers i was uh I, I would say pleasantly surprised yeah. Um, because a, as I mentioned, I did feel like, you know, rebels had more of a story to tell and was, was very much saying like, Hey, there's, there's more coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not surprised and I'm not disappointed. That being said, I don't know how much of this show is going to be about Ahsoka uh, because it does at the moment, it does very much feel like a Sabine show. And that's not a complaint from me. I will, right. I, will I will tack that on right now. Um, but there was, so I watched the first episode with my wife who is yeah. not super into star Wars, but is super into me. So she puts up with my antics um, and she, so she's never seen rebels. Um, but she, uh, she watched the first episode of Ahsoka with me. Um, and she, she, you know, we paused right after the scroll and she looked at me and she said, is there any lore I'm missing? And I said, Oh my God, tons. all of it (laughs) yeah no i was like yeah there's so much you're missing uh i i hope they i hope they address that uh and they they did kind of um i I, i'd say they did an okay job introducing characters for new viewers because she did not have a ton of questions for me um but and and it 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 is very much it feels like it can be a standalone story if again they will let it be a standalone story um because these we're being introduced to these characters in, in a, a sort of fresh way. Yeah. Um, but I think the the background of what happened with Thrawn and Ezra is going to need to be explored a little bit more. 
Yeah, that's that's the kind of fly in the ointment, I think, because to the points you, you just made, and I completely agree with you, I even though they're the rebel characters, they're so much further down the timeline from when we saw them last, they may as well be different characters. I mean, you know, look look at the characters that we meet in the sequel trilogy. You know, it's like, yes, they're legacy characters, but they're you know, the, the, they're, they're changed by being old, you know, as, as, as it happens to all of us. <laughs> but, but my point being on that is like, yeah, it's even though they, they are established characters, you revisit them in a new way to where they may as well be new characters. And it, it almost kind of reminds me in a, from a certain point of view, kind of how we get thrown in face first into a new hope. Like, you know, A New Hope just kind of tells you the story and there's like hints to deeper lore that, as we know, wasn't established at that point. But this can kind of operate on kind of like the same level. Like, you know that there's uh, history with these characters. You know that these characters exist, but you don't know the entire story. And it will, you know, it, 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 the introductions are approachable. Now, but to the other point, though, the Thrawn of it all, that's the one that's like, oh, we're not really explaining this one very well. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, so, I mean, I like that you see the message from Ezra, that we see, you know, live action representation of Ezra, and that, you know, th there's all of these hushed tones when referring to Grand Admiral Thrawn, but like, that's that's one aspect that I don't think was handled especially well for uh, potentially new viewers or even let, let's put it a different way. Like the the live action kind of Mandoverse has kind of really been haphazard with continuity anyway, like where, you know, if you try to watch season three of Mando without watching part, at least part of the book of Boba Fett, you're you're completely lost it's like right why why is grogu back what what is happening what i i don't understand any of this so i still have some axes to grind with how storytelling is being done um in the mandoverse i'm just gonna call it that because I, I don't know what <laughs> else to, what else to call it because like it's it's disney kind of in my opinion kind of trying to exert a marvel sensibility to these shows and they just assume that everybody watches everything and ahsoka kind of pushes that even further to where on one hand the characters are reintroduced fresh in a way that's approachable but also it's like hey man if you haven't watched rebels you have no idea what's going on so i i and I don't know how to feel about that where we're relying so heavily on cartoons from a different time period that aired on a different channel. They're now retroactively on Disney plus, but like at least with Mando and book of Boba Fett back to Mando, that's at least consistent within, you know, it's all Disney plus content that feeds back into itself. This one, I, I don't know. I, I I think I I think I've gotten too deep into into this tangent to save myself. But like, I it, it, it's the Thrawn and Ezra of it that that kind of kind of gets me to crinkle my nose in terms of like how approachable this story is. Exactly. Um. So I think 
this is becoming an issue of Marvel burnout. Uh, mm. the, the Marvel burnout is real. Uh, I have missed the last several chunks of Marvel content, and I'm very worried that Star Wars is heading in that direction. Um, and if it's not already there, um, because this the the beginning of the show does kind of feel like you don't really need to watch Rebels, and then you know kind of the jabbing you in the in the ribs with the elbow several times. Yeah. But maybe you should. Um, and there's you know all these spinoff shows. And I love the spinoff shows. They are fantastic. I don't want to, you know, I want, I want to be very clear. I'm enjoying this a lot. I hope yeah. I keep enjoying it. Ah, um, yeah. Because it's, it's so much. Um, and, and I've said before, uh, my, my, my brain has a very limited memory and it, the Star Wars <laughs> is it's starting to delete the old stuff to make way for the new stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about like animated Star Wars shows. And I was like, there's something I'm forgetting. There's something there's something recent I'm forgetting. And I, I don't I don't know what it is. And like 10 minutes later, I was like, Bad Batch, that's a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because there's there's so much Star Wars now. And I think we we were all very used to waiting a very long time for new Star Wars. Right. Um, and, and now it's you know, we get two new Star Wars shows and, and you know, back to back. And it's it's startling and overwhelming. And I'm, I'm getting a little scared. Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, oh, new Star Wars, maybe I'll watch that at some point. Like, I, I want to keep being excited when new Star Wars comes out, as opposed to where I'm at now with like Marvel, where I haven't uh, I don't even know what the latest Marvel show is called. I still haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, like, I, I don't know what's coming out next. And I used to be like, oh, my God, here's the timeline of releases and here's what's coming out when. And like, let's do this and this and this. And, you know, I'll go meet up with several people and go see a Marvel movie. And now, yeah, it's just kind of like, eh. I've seen like three Marvel movies in the past year. I don't want to go see another one right now. Right, right. I mean, we're we're far away from like 2015 when they put up like the slate, like on a like on a, a movie screen at a convention. And it's like, woo, we're getting all this stuff. Yeah. Now it's just right. kind of like, ah. there's more. <laughs> yeah. Why is there more? I I was hoping, much like Tony Stark, after after the Endgame cycle, that I might be able to rest, but yeah, apparently, apparently not. So, yeah, like I said, I am I am still enjoying it, but if they keep up this pace, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to keep up with it. You know? Right. Well, and and I would also say that I I appreciate that, like in some of these shows, like like Obi Wan and now Ahsoka, because like Ahsoka is what like eight episodes, something like that. I and, think so, yeah. And we've already seen two of them, so we're already a quarter of the way through the series, which is kind of weird when you think about it from that perspective. Um, right. So at least it, at the very least, I would say it's not quite entirely like say like the um the netflix burnout where it's like every season of everything 13 episodes whether you need it or not you know it's like i mean that the the netflix marvel stuff got very diluted because it was just like you know 13 seasons all the dang time and it was interesting like you know when when you kind of move from network tv or even premium tv to streaming you know it's got it's supposed to have like this mystique of like prestige television it's like you know all killer no filler but you come to find out that is that is not the case and filler still exists even in a quote-unquote prestige television 
Yeah, absolutely. I think where we're at now is they are telling stories that I've wanted to hear for a while. Uh Um, So so things like Obi-Wan, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I've wanted to know what happened there for a while. Um, And, you know, obviously I'll watch anything Ahsoka. Um, They they very nearly lost me with Andor because I was not particularly invested in Andor. But I was still at the point where I was like, it's Star Wars. I'll watch it. And thank God I did because I loved Andor. Mm -hmm. Um, But they... They came close to, to me being like, I don't know if I want to watch this. It's you know, there's a lot of Star Wars happening, um, but and, and I don't want to I don't want to lose the excitement that I've got for Star Wars. Um, right. So I, I, w- I want them to keep telling stories that I want to hear instead of, you know, wringing the towel for more content. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's what we're picking up on with that that burnout that you were talking about is, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a cynicism to it. To where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, they're they're just really trying to squeeze this turn up, aren't they? You know that that kind of thing. But but as you said, you know, fortunately, we are getting stuff that we wanted, and I would say that uh, an Ahsoka show is something that folks definitely wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Ahsoka, like I said, when she when she was first introduced, um, there there were you know the major influences in my life that enjoyed Star Wars as I was still a kid um, were were fairly negative about ahsoka my, my dad at first he did not like her he was like oh you know she's gonna have to die in order 66 anyways and she's kind of annoying um and then i had a teacher at school that was uh like you know the star wars teacher everyone's had mm-hmm. um, and she and she you know was very much in the same camp of like anakin an apprentice that doesn't make sense um and she she didn't like her either and those were my right. two major. So I, 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 maybe it was a bit of a, you know, eleven-year-old rebellion in liking Ahsoka. But I was, I was like, <laughs> okay, well. Um, but no, I. So I think that we. I'm very happy we're at a point where everyone's like, oh yeah, Ahsoka, Ahsoka's so cool. That's that's vindicating for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm glad that we're at this point. And I'm glad that people are excited for this show, and I keep that they. I hope that they keep stoking that excitement in a way mm-hmm. that is healthy. Absolutely. So um kind of kind of getting back sort of into the the episode a little bit. So, you know, um uh Balin and Shin, they they spring uh Lady Morgan Elsbeth who's been imprisoned on this ship. I don't know if it's like a prisoner transport situation. Um it, maybe she's got the same taxi service that Moff Gideon had because uh um th- th- this kind of seems to happen a lot where prisoners just kind of get grabbed on the regular. Um, but basically they, uh, after this rescue, they say they're, they're on the lookout for this map that will reveal the location of grand Admiral Thrawn. And from there we get what I could only describe as a, uh, Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark type of thing where Ahsoka is going through this uh, this temple. And it was interesting. I, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine, um, not my buddy, Sean, that I watched the episode with, but uh, one of one of our other co-workers. And he was getting really fussy during this sequence because he's like, okay, well, as, as Ahsoka is like aligning the pillars and he's like, Get on with it. I know she gets it was the thing. So long. 
No, yeah. And it's interesting because I just must have been coked up on excitement or something like that because, like, I didn't I didn't find it to be tedious. I mean, I, I knew that she's going to get the thing with the thing, but, like, I I still liked it. And it's like, you know, you get to see, like, the, the murals with, uh, uh, you know, with the, the, the um, uh, the the paintings and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool imagery. And I, I like that, you know, the, the last pillar has like sand in it and she has to dig through. I, I liked all that. It was, it wasn't bad. It just felt too long to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I did, I did like the imagery, but I felt like I, it was, uh, I, I was looking like, I, I felt like they were supposed to be showing me something that I wasn't catching. Um, and maybe it's one of those things where like, oh, on a second viewing, this will make much more sense because we know it's, you know, the Night Sisters or whatever. Right. Um, but there, I, I kind of I had a little bit of beef with this whole sequence because Ahsoka, like, you know, there's this Skyrim temple puzzle that Ahsoka has to has to solve. Right? <laughs> and she <laughs> and she she, you know, she goes through the process of very tediously rotating these pillars and, you know, pointing at things and lighting things up and then digging through the kinetic sand to get to the ball in the middle. Um, and then like it felt a little bit forced to me the whole like oh only sabine can figure this out and then there's a whole Mm. sequence of sabine staring at a map and then going the number three that's it (laughs) and like i i feel like probably like any of the like four people that looked at the map before that could have probably figured that out right Um, but like and i do understand that they had to you know kind of push ahsoka and sabine together because of the story that they're telling but it, it still, I was like, I was like, that's a little, I, I feel like maybe other people could have looked at that and figured out the number three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give it, give it to an astrodroid or something, you know, Let, yeah. because, because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like an especially difficult puzzle to solve. Right. Yeah. We I had a very know. long sequence of trying to solve a Rubik's cube that was maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> though, though I would say though, you know, as the temple sequence kicks off the, you know, we, we've seen characters use lightsabers to cut through floors, cut through walls. But um, I don't know if I've seen one where the character puts the the sabers through the floor and then moves them without touching them using the force that 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 was that was dope i'm okay, sorry I was, that, that was <laughs> i i i audibly cheered i was like yo <laughs> it was, i thought that was so cool i was so worried you were about to be like that was a little too much because i was like i don't know man that looked super cool <laughs> yeah no i i thought it was metal af man i i really liked it i i thought it, it was you know it was visually exciting you get like the 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 sound effect with the you know the thump and i just uh yeah no i i, I thought that was really cool Yes, and her, uh, her with the the droid fight with the five droids surrounding her and her just you know abducting them from underground was very fun, and I'm always a sucker for a big explosion, so I enjoyed that scene a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I thought that I thought that fight was rad, and I I like robots that act like robots or or right. more accurately like move like robots like when the first droid is facing off with ahsoka you know just even like in his stance and how he moves it's like oh he's a machine you know it's not it's not like a guy in a suit or or something like that there there is a inhuman texture to it which i think star wars is good about 
getting right when they get it right. Right. No, the the design for those droids is pretty cool too. Um, because it, oh yeah, there there is kind of, and I feel like it was an intentional moment of like, is that a person? Um, mm-hmm. and then and then you you know it, it's sort of like a step into the light, and you see that they're they're a droid, and you're like, oh okay. And and what a what dope line delivery too, where it's like you know she asks, uh, well it, the the droid says, give the map to us, right? And she she's like. Us? us question mark <laughs> and then like with each subsequent droid showing up you know it's us 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 i thought that was really cool it was it was very cool it was a great scene mm-hmm. and, and i like the fight you know like like you were saying like you know y- using I, I okay so i like star wars i'm you know i'm a lifelong fan but i've always found jedi to be like the least interesting characters you know, it's like, give me my scoundrels, my bounty hunters, you know, crime lords, all of that stuff. For some reason, the the underbelly stuff has always appealed to me more. And, you know, and give me rebels also. Um, you know, give me rebels. Give me imperials. Give give me, like, regular people. You know, th- that kind of thing. And I, I think kind of some of my problems with, like, you know, the prequel era is that it, it's almost like when, like, everybody's special, nobody's special. That that kind of thing, um, but anyway, that, that's a very long way of saying like, I I do also have appetite for creative use of force powers, and I think like, you know, intuiting where to cut out a hole from underneath a droid without looking is is a pretty cool uh, creative use of force powers. It, I think it's very interesting because I think we're we're kind of demonstrating our. Uh... Our, our ages and our eras, because I very much prefer the Jedi and the lightsaber fights and all that jazz. Sure. Um, and and like I said, I think it's just because it's what I grew up with. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's uh, so so you know, there's kind of that hype of like this this series is going to be like you know gunfights and 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 no Jedi and and I always it felt weird to me that that was like a selling point. But like you know, I, I hear people that are like, yeah, you know, I, I want gunfights and I want normal people, and I'm like, oh, I want superheroes. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right though. I I think it is specifically generational because really, um, because like I, I I've had conversations with you know Gen Z folks and even like you know older millennials to where it's just like, yeah, th- this Andor sucks. There's a you know no Jedi show up. And I'm just like, not everybody needs to be swinging a laser sword. Sometimes it could just be people doing a bitch and heist, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, um, but anyway, I, I, I like that this show kind of, and, and I think that that's why rebels appealed to me. Honestly, now that, now that I'm puzzling it through out loud is because you get a little bit of both. It's, it's not an over-reliance on Jedi mysticism, it's a lot of like, you know, uh, plucky people being plucky and, you know, you know, get getting out of trouble because of like grit and determination and a little bit of Jedi intervention. And you have a little bit of a, a master and apprentice storyline going on as well. But um, I, 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 I guess watching Ahsoka kind of rekindled in me how much I actually liked Rebels because like I I've never been back to it since uh um since the first run and so for me it it feels like reacquainting with old friends yeah absolutely and I, I think both uh Clone Wars and Rebels have very high highs and very low lows 
mm-hmm. um to and, and it makes rewatching hard for me specifically um but no i i, I do it is is it's very exciting and fun to get back to the rebels crew and see how they're doing uh i'm, I'm very excited and i hope that we get to see uh Hera and caden's child at some point Oh yeah, I mean, I I think I think they're holding back that that reveal for for a specific reason, right? Um, and you know, two episodes in, you know, you you don't need everything, right? Exactly, you know, it's yeah. like you, you you don't you don't want everything to be so overstuffed because then that's just pandering, you know. And it's like you know, I I like being pandered to a little bit, but not all the way, I guess. <laughs> like you know, it was. It, it was great uh, seeing Hera, and it was great seeing Sabine, and I I appreciate a good leather bomber jacket too. I mean, like both of their their jacket games are on point. Yeah, Sab- Sabine's intro entirely was just a fantastic, very fun scene. Um, I loved that the Star Wars rock music was very fun. Um, yeah (laughs) that's like an actual bop i was like you know i'm like bopping my head to it i'm like i'm like i don't know if i've heard punk music in in star wars before this is pretty rad it was it was very fun and the you know the the rebel cop that was trying to pull her over at at some point just said all right that that was really cool i guess you could just go (laughs) yeah yeah which was very fun um but you know i think we are we're leaving someone important out and that's chopper i was i was very excited to see chopper again i love chopper did we see chop in the first episode i uh well, now that you say that, I'm nervous. I don't know if I'm, we did. I don't know if we did because <laughs> it's like it's like more or less we we so Ahsoka gets the map, and um, right after this like heavy metal explosion, and incidentally, like if you're an assassin droid with a self destruct uh, mechanism meant to annihilate an entire uh like square mile of things maybe set a shorter timer i don't know maybe i mean you should have just led with that <laughs> yeah it's like i i ain't trying to tell these robots how to live but um you you're not you didn't understand the assignment <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway like so basically like if i remember correctly ahsoka gets the map gets a get some lip from david tennant and so they reunite with um, Hera on the uh, ravaged rebel ship and figure out that, that Lady Morgan's been, been sprung from prison. And it's like, hey, man, I got the map. And, uh, and then Hera says, yeah, you need to go talk to Sabine and see if she'll unlock it, to which a lot of heavy sighing uh, ensues. I, I swear that half of Rosario Dawson's line delivery is heavy sigh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I think, if I remember correctly, I think we just see Hera on um, either Home One or the or the other Rebel cruiser. I don't, because uh, I mean, she she isn't flying the Phantom until the 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 second episode. Okay, I'll save um, that chopper talk for episode two. Then. Oh, very good. Okay, because I mean, I I have I have no shortage of chop talk as well because I too have an affection for everyone's favorite <laughs> war criminal. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, no, I when when I was watching Rebels for the first time, and you know, I'm getting to know these characters, and I, I'm at a certain age where I'm not sure if this is appropriate content for me or not. 
Like I'm just like, uh, it's and and it's literally on Disney XD, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. But but that uh that that cranky robot uh, won my heart. I'm just like. I I like a cranky droid, so a, a cranky surly droid at that. So um, he is so so fun. Um, well, we we can go we can go back to Chopper later. But you did glance sure. over the next big story beat that I wanted to dive into. Oh sure, go ahead. So you did mention David Tennant. Um, I was I was very excited when we saw Hu Yang in the trailers. Um, and uh, I so so to kind of build a little bit of context here. Um, because again, every podcast is someone's first podcast. Every Star Wars is someone's first Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, Hu Yang, and this was explored very, very briefly. Um, Hu Yang was the droid that helped the Jedi younglings and Jedi Padawans build their lightsabers. Um, and this was explored in the Clone Wars, uh, where Ahsoka, as one of her Padawan assignments, has to escort a gaggle of younglings to go get their kyber crystals. Uh, it mm. all goes haywire. Uh, Ahsoka gets kidnapped by pirates, and it's heavily implied that they're going to sell her to some unsavory people. Uh, the younglings respond to this by putting on a circus to distract the pirates. It's all very <laughs> reflective of the tonal whiplash that is the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm always excited to see David Tennant in just about anything. So when mm-hmm. we did we did see Hu Yang very briefly, I was like, oh my god, I hope David Tennant comes back. And then he did, and I was like, yeah, David Tennant! <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and 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 i enjoy the interplay between hu yang and ahsoka you know it's like he's well i mean he's well he's british (laughs) but no it's it's he's he's very dry bone dry and and there's there's almost like a reluctance on on hu yang's part to be be part of this adventure Right. No, it's a. Uh, I think it's a very good uh, foil. Is not the word I'm looking for, but the, I think they just play off each other very well. Um, mm-hmm. And in that, Ahsoka has kind of become this kind of grumpy old person at this point, and Hu Yang has been that grumpy old person for centuries. Um, right. <laughs> but I think I think it's very fun, and I, I I that's not someone I was expecting to see at all. That's I did not think that character would ever come back to anything. Um, so I, I was I was thrilled to see Hu Yang come back, and looks great in live action. Absolutely, yeah, he's got a very you know, like, great design. Absolutely, and because and and I bring that up because some character designs translate better into live action than others. Like, um, you know, we we had talked pretty extensively earlier about Mandalorian and how like you know more. Uh, Dave Filoni uh, characters have shown up and I, I hold your knives. I I'm probably going to take some heat for this one, but like, I, I think Bo-Katan's helmet looks real dumb in live action. It's like, it looks cool in animation, but like to bring it to life so faithfully um, for like casuals, like, uh, like I mentioned my, my buddy at work who, who has consumed none of the disney animated stuff so you know clone wars rebels you know it's like he he's like i mean he's a a couple years older than i am so it's like you know he's an original trilogy guy you know theatrical movies guy oh man i'm too old for these cartoons i can't do this Ooh, this live action stuff looks cool what's the deal with these cartoon people coming into the into the live action stuff that lady looks dumb (laughs) 
you know, th- that kind of thing. So just kind of like charting the trajectory of uh, the, the, the boomers that I, that I associate with the, the Gen X boomers, but like I, and, and I glance up against some of that as well. So I, I always kind of, uh, I'm tentative about how things can translate from animation into live action because they are different media and they do different things. And there, there should be a certain degree of incongruity and incompatibility because like if, if everything was just one-to-one, then there, there wouldn't be a point to either media, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, I do, I do need to make my joke. You said you were tentative about it. Would you say you're David tentative about it? I, I would, I would. Ah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. See, no, I like our... it. We're, we're playing softball together. It's like, yeah, I'll <laughs> slow pitch them and you just crack them out of the park. Very there nice. There you go. Um, but no, I, well, Bo-Katan is a great example. She, her poor Bo-Katan has been put through the ringer when it comes to design iterations. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I think the, uh, the, the, um, I think this is a good chance to talk about the mural. Um, oh yeah, sure. Is, is- Absolutely. Oh right, yeah, because that that's part of the not only the the kickoff to the Sabine sequence, but um, also the the uh, crowd cheer moment from my buddy Sean from work. We're watching in the conference room. Clancy Brown shows up, yeah. and he's just like he's like woo. I mean, it's like I, I, I wasn't expecting it from him. It just like erupted out of him. And it, and it took me a second. I didn't clock it right away. I was just like, uh, oh, 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 hey. Right. So it, it was it was a very like real visceral moment moment. Right. No, absolutely. It was uh, it, just very fun overall. Um, but the uh, well, sorry, I got I got stuck on Clancy Brown. That was it was very cool that he was. Oh no, Mike's frozen. Okay, no. Oh good. yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I think that was. Uh, I think my internet was having a hiccup. I got scared. Um, but no, uh, seeing Clancy Brown again was was very cool. I uh, was not expecting that either. So, um, but the uh, the the mural I think is a, a great I think representation of hey this is a I don't know if adaptation is the right word um, but it's a translation of a, a, yeah. a an animated series and traditionally animated characters. And they don't shy away from that when it comes to the mural. It's it's very much the same mural that we saw in Rebels. And they, uh, I, yeah. I was almost surprised that they hadn't redone it to more closely align to the uh, the live action representations of the characters. But it, it I feel like it was better for it because that that mural was you know iconic. That was you know one of the last shots in Rebels. It was it was a very important shot. Um, and, and I, I think redoing it. I don't know if disservice is the right word because I, I think they would have done it well. Um, yeah. But I, I was very happy that they did, you know, keep the animated versions of the characters and the, and the, you know, kind of silly looking almost uh, like representations of them. And they do, uh-huh. they, they don't entirely fit in the world, but it is, it is very nice to see. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's just a fantastic way to paint that picture. Literally. Yeah. Literally. No, I, yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you. And and maybe there's a, a deeper analogy there of like, you know, maybe these characters don't quite entirely belong in this world. You know, kind of like what what happens to rebels after you win? You know, it's like, you know, I, I getting ahead of myself into the into the the second episode, but it's like, you know, not not everything is so black and white and it's like not be, you know first of all 
it isn't drawn into good guys and bad guys. It's all, all like, you know, shades of gray and stuff, but it's, it's just fascinating to see how these rebels kind of get along in this new Republic world for, for lack of a better term. Right. Absolutely. Um, we, we do see Sabine kind of struggling with it. Uh, obviously she's been through quite a bit. Um, and, and again, I, I, I keep bouncing around. I'm very sorry. <laughs> she, yeah, you know, yeah. We, me we get, too. Me too. We get that cool intro sequence, uh, for Sabine where she, you know, speeding down the highway, listen to her punk rock music and avoiding, mm-hmm. avoiding arrest. Um, but we, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of go to what Sabine is going through. Um, and you know, kind of, again, the struggle that she's having and the cool cat that she's adopted, um, oh my gosh! And, and she, she's yeah, yeah. Loath cats in live action, by the way, adorable. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I've seen mixed mixed opinions on it, um, but I, I think I've, there's always been mixed opinions on loath cats in general. I sure. like them. I'm in, I'm pro loath cat. <laughs> same, hard same. Right, um, but no, we we see Sabine. Uh, she is living in the in Ezra's communication tower. Uh, she's got her cat. Um, we we get that shot of her helmet under the table, kind of buried away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, and not to not to skip ahead too much, but the mm. the first two episodes had Sabine go through the entirety of the hero's journey. Um, yeah, like, like it was a. Uh, there, there's a line from John Mulaney um, where he says at the end of a joke, and his hair was longer to show that time had passed. <laughs> and I feel like we, we got uh, we had we had the oh, time has passed. Sabine's hair is very long now straight to, uh, you know, the end of the hero's journey where she does the the the, the haircut. Um, yeah. But uh, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping ahead again. But we, we you know, we kind of see this, right. this struggle that Sabine's having and the the introduction of you know kind of the i guess uh, regret that she she's yeah. having a lot of feelings about Ezra and him being gone um and i i will i will pause for a moment to clarify on that um they they did put in that the line from Ezra of you're like a sister to me and i did appreciate that cuz they yes. had some they had some will they won't they at the beginning of rebels but it did they they did both matured and it, it evened out a little bit and i yep. do i do appreciate the brother sister relationship much more than i would have a romantic relationship Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah, she'd do good for him anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I love Sabine. I, I think like again, there were so many things in Rebels that that like gave me stuff that I didn't know that I wanted. It's like, yeah, a a punk rock teenager Mandalorian that's a graffiti artist. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sign me up. I I mean I was I was all for that. I love um, her. She had a she stole a tie fighter at some point in Rebels and just gave it yep. an entire redeco and that was one of my favorite things that had ever happened in Star Wars. Mm-hmm, <laughs> was her mm-hmm. obnoxious like tie dye tie dye tie fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. With with her very uh uh Transformers G2 yes. uh, br- bright colors, lots of neon. And and I just, you know, I mean again, you know, I I grew up being a fan of Boba Fett. So it's like, you know, there there's like a certain level of modification but still kind of like kind of like also kind of sort of an evergreen sense of what his suit is, but but Sabine changes the colors on her armor on the regular and, you know, as well as her hair as well. Like every season she has a different hairstyle. And I just, I, I just thought that that was, that was really cool. And I thought that that was especially 
brave and costly in in animation. So I I really like that they they did that. Yeah, no, absolutely. She 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 looks really cool. Uh, I think that they cast her really really well. Um, and and she she does she channels Sabine fantastically. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So as as we kind of get ready to uh, close out on the first episode, um, I I love the cinematography in this in this show. And I love that when we first return to Lothal, it's like, I mean, it's like, again, it's kind of like a chewy we're home situation because it looks exactly the way it should look the tower looks exactly the way it should look you know very familiar imagery for fans of rebels and for for folks that may not have seen rebels it's like yeah it it just looks cool you know which 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 is fine there as well i suppose yeah absolutely um but no we we we're kind of getting to the end of the episode so we do have to Uh talk about the uh I, i think we need to have a discussion about doing a cliffhanger when you do a double episode premiere (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's i i i have mixed conflicted feelings um so i mean i i like the uh i i i guess the way that that it goes that like you know um sabine decides to unlock the map and and is immediately attacked by uh, by those assassin droids which since we saw them earlier in the in the episode we kind of know what they're capable of and that they're formidable and so that you know it kind of shows Sabine being equally capable by being uh you know by by being able to elude them uh to an extent um and I like that it shows this uh, rivalry right away between Shin and Sabine. I think that's that's going to uh, uh, definitely become something. It was such a good fight. It, it was, was a great fight. It was, and you could tell it was not quite one-sided. Like, it was a very good illustration of Sabine has not nearly finished her training, but she has started. Um, right. Because, and, and I think it's it's setting up as well that Shin is sort of in the same spot. Um, yes. Because both of them were, I don't know if sloppy is the right word, because I feel like they were both pretty skilled, but they were uh-huh. both kind of caught off guard by each other and had a little bit of issue recovering from that. But mm-hmm. my God, the choreography was fantastic at portraying that. And there was mm-hmm. just, we got some, I, you know, I, I said earlier, I, I, I love the lightsaber fights and the lightsabers and it just, it, it was really cool. There was a fantastic shot of, you know, like Sabine, like doing a full like bridge while like Shin's like, you know, kind of pressing down. And it was it was just a very cool fight. I was very it got me all hyped up. Um, but then, uh, you know, Sabine gets stabbed. Um, yeah. And uh, my my wife right away went, nah, it's a lightsaber. It cauterizes the wound. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. So I didn't get any of the like tension from that. Oh, um, see that. That that's interesting. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. We'll, no, we'll, we'll come back to me in a sec. I was gonna say I think it, it does. Uh, it it also comes back to it's a two episode premiere, so the the cliffhanger I don't think would have had as much impact uh, because of that. If we had, if we had to wait a week, it would have been like, did they really kill Sabine in the first episode? Right. Well, and because keeping in mind in like all uh, and my mind immediately went to oh shoot how much of. Sabine is actually in the trailers 
have we seen everything that there is? Because I don't remember if you actually see her in the armor um, in, in, the, in the trailers or not. Um, you certainly see a lot of the, of the speeder chase, but I'm just like, oh, no. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel any kind of, um, you know, dread for Sabine. And I don't know. I, I, I may as well wade into this now while we're here because uh, it, it does kind of transition into the, the next episode. Um, I, I have now seen two different protagonists who get explicitly run through with a lightsaber and are just totally okay. And right. I, I, I don't know. I think the, the ghost of Liam Neeson would kind of have a little bit of an issue with that. And I actually put something out on Twitter and I kind of put it out there kind of like to, you know, get a little bit of bait and didn't, didn't quite catch as much as I would like. <laughs> Maybe I should use the right hashtags or something like that. But like I, I found a gif of uh Qui-Gon Jinn like ramming his lightsaber through the secured door of the uh Trade Federation uh uh when they when they stormed the bridge and it's like he sticks the lightsaber in and the metal is melting around it right. and and you know it's just molten molten metal just just falling off of this uh this laser sword here and and I put out in my tweet I was like um according to dizzy this is a totally survivable wound <laughs> and because i mean like reva gets run through twice yeah. once as a child others by vader now granted you could argue that she's a more adept force user or whatever um sabine gets stabbed with the lightsaber and to your wife's point i do understand about cauterizing the wound but like it's a column of laser light that goes all the way through your body it comes out the other side so like sure it's cauterized but homegirl has has like a hole in her kidney now or a hole in her liver just zoom and it's like sure it's cauterized but like there's there's still a lot of guts in there so <laughs> it's I, like, I will take the second to point out um i did uh the the part of her body where she was stabbed is a very, I feel like it was a very intentional part of the body um, mm. because that is one of the few parts of the body that you can you can get stabbed and it be fine uh, because there is a, a section of body there where there's pretty much nothing um, and I, I, this is one of those seconds where it's like, Liz, why do you know that? Um, I have not been stabbed. <laughs> I have, I have, uh, I have written, uh, you know, like fight scenes and things like that before back when sure. I was super into writing. Um, and those are the sorts of things that you Google and get put on a list for. Um, but also, right. I, I, you know, I had a, uh, th this is a thing I've been told by a doctor as well, um, just through my own various litany of medical issues. Um, but there, there's, you know, that that's a specific part of the body that uh, gives uh, false signals a lot, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, because there's nothing there, um, but it will echo other parts of the body sometimes. So it can hurt real bad. Yeah, um, but you can you can that is one of the spots where you can get shot stabbed etc and be okay so wow. i feel like it was a very very purposeful placement of where she was stabbed well i uh, first of all i really appreciate that insight i didn't know any of that and <laughs> uh, you know maybe maybe i need to write some more fic or something like that so i could do enough research to get myself on a watch list also but 
<laughs> now, some doctor's going to reply to this episode and be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Stop telling people that. Um, you People like trying to run each other through with hot pokers and saying that they'll be totally okay. Um, but no, you, you've, you've unlocked a question that I didn't think that I had, but going with the theme of it being an intentional wound from like a storytelling standpoint, what if there's intention on you know in story as well like like shin knew what she was doing when she inflicted that wound on sabine yeah no that'd be that'd be super How about that uh i'm hesitant to uh put that expectation on uh on the story because i i'm I, i'm worried it won't go that deep and i'll have that expectation yeah. that it will but no that that'd be super cool that'd be very uh very interesting to explore but there's this whole like the the master and apprentice dynamic that is being explored uh, through Balin and Shin and Ahsoka and Sabine um, is, is super interesting. And I think that that fight was a fantastic way to compare the two and kind of see where where they are and where they might be going. Yeah. Now, I uh, I, I did commit a I, I guess maybe a, a light crime against the fandom. So like I had mentioned that I watched Rebels first run and that I haven't necessarily been back. I so either I'm forgetting or this is new, but I don't remember Ezra specifically passing on. Excuse me, <clears throat> let me take that again. I don't specifically remember Ezra passing on his lightsaber to Sabine. I don't think he did, and that was one of the things I wanted to go back and watch too because I didn't think Ezra's uh, like final act against Thrawn was planned either and it, it very much implied that it was here but it's been a long it's been it's been years since i've watched rebels so i might be completely misremembering um but the, the way i remembered it was that it was very much an act of desperation and ezra realizing like you know his like oh my god i can talk to animals is like right. oh i could do that and i can have these like super cool animals teleport us to who knows where yeah uh, i i the the way i remembered it was as a act of desperation um but the way mm -hmm. this show portrayed it was it was a planned thing that Ezra knew he was going to do uh, and wrote his, his, his notes to people and, and left them there for them to find. Um, but it's, it's interesting. And that's definitely something I'll have to go back and, and, and take a look at. Yeah. I, I almost want to watch that, that last episode again, just to refresh. Um, because like, even, even who Yang says something about the, the modifications in the saber, like he could, he could see that, Ezra had had made modifications and that um, Sabine had made modifications to the point where they're having this legislation about whose saber it is. It's like, this is Ezra's saber. And Huyang is, is astute to point out, it's like, well, you've made these modifications, therefore it's now yours. Ezra's lightsaber has always been very interesting. And I, I think I'm sure someone could write a whole paper on Ezra's lightsaber as a as a metaphor of character progression. Um, yeah. But he had that cool like like gun lightsaber for a little while, which was uh that was, you know, very fun and funky. Um yep. and then and then he kind of transitioned to a more transition uh, I'm sorry, not transitional, traditional lightsaber. Uh and that was it, it it's cool. It's it's a good representation of character uh development. Uh, and I, I, I'd like to see too. Uh, I think Hu Yang being here gives us a chance to kind of explore what Sabine has done to it, rather than just mm -hmm. glancing over it. And I hope, I hope they do go into that just a little bit. Um, I won't put that expectation on again, but I think it'd be an interesting exploration of how has Sabine changed that lightsaber? Uh, has her experience with the dark saber influenced it at all? 
uh, things like that right. would be see would be would be neat to see. Well, and here's the the other thing too, and that that I did not remember because like I I can't do a four season rewatch of Rebels, but like you know I I'll certainly go back and check out the the last episode because I think that's that's more foundational for Ahsoka here. But like, I mean, is there anywhere that that says anything about Sabine being force sensitive? No, and I don't think she is. I. <laughs> Um, I I do remember a while back reading, um, and I don't remember who it was. It might have been Dave Filoni, but I, that doesn't sound right. Um, mm. Someone someone wrote a write up on how people are force sensitive without the traditional Jedi powers, like the telekinesis mm. and all that jazz. Um, and, and this, I honestly, I might be thinking of a, like a fan thing that I thought was official, but it was uh, uh, someone said that like someone like Padme. Uh, is 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 force sensitive but in the way that she you know is very good at working with people and is you know just it's just fantastic at you know tapping into emotions and things like that yeah um and like i i i don't know where i'm remembering this from maybe it was legends maybe it was something completely out of left field sure Um, but the the implication was that uh force sensitivity force sensitivity presents itself in different ways um, and uh-huh. the one that we are used to seeing is the, you know, the Jedi superpowers, force sensitivity, um, and, and it can manifest itself in, in ways that are, are not as detectable, maybe, um, or, or as, you know, like midichlorian-y, um, and yeah, like, like yeah. passion and talent and things like that can be results of force sensitivity. Uh, and if that's something that's explored, it'd be very cool. Um, but I, I, I'd be interested to see the take of um you are you are a person that has a lot of talent i am a jedi i am not a traditional jedi i'm going to take you on as an apprentice um and i I think we are leaning towards like i said earlier an exploration of you know what a jedi is um this kind of era where a jedi is at this point a mythological figure um and this kind of uh you know these stories and and fairy tales that people have heard that are, are not really ever talked about because they're gone uh, right. So and know, and they've been gone. Exactly. At, they, at this point in this era, they they've been gone. What thirty years? Yeah, something like a, that. At least a few decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you know, a lot of these these people that have heard these stories and these fairy tales that are have been you know like suppressed and because they they don't exist. You see someone like Ahsoka who is a good guy who uses the Force. They they point and they go, oh Jedi. And at some point, Ahsoka just has to go, okay, I guess, you know, I'm a Jedi again. I guess that's a title I will accept because it gives people hope. Um, And I I think, you know, we're at a point where people like Ahsoka get to kind of define what that means. Um, And we we start kind of pushing the boundaries of like, I'm going to take a Padawan that is not force sensitive um, and and see where it goes and and what what it means to be a Jedi. And I think that's Mm -hmm. super interesting. Yeah, incredibly interesting. And and especially with... Uh, Sabine, as you had said, who had once wielded the Darksaber. And it, it's interesting to kind of bring some of that mythology back because obviously the the myth of the Darksaber was uh, brought into live action through Mandalorian. And I, I found it especially interesting in that first episode of Book of Boba Fett where it it's shown that um, while Din Djarin has the dark saber he's not very good at it like so i i think that that retroactively adds a little more uh character to sabine in that like she didn't have any of those problems 
you know, she she was able to wield the dark saber saber um, pretty effectively. Right, and she did have the kind of uh, you know wipe on wax on wax off montage a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but she she didn't struggle with it nearly as much as he did, um, which I I, right. I I think again is another super interesting thing. Um, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I think I'd almost be disappointed if if Sabine is a, a you know kind of traditionally force sensitive Jedi. Um, yeah, I think that the alternative is far more interesting. Yeah, yeah, that like you know Jedi techniques or like you know just that you know she's being trained to be like an excellent sword fighter or something like that. Exactly. You know it, and and it's always kind of I I've always been interested in how much of a Jedi skill is from the Force or, or connection to the Force and you know intuition through the Force. Um, as opposed to just actual like physical skill, like is a Jedi an excellent um, swords person, or, or you know what, what you know are are they good at sword sword fighting because of their connection to the Force, or do they just have good combat skills? You know, and like what happens when one or the other isn't isn't very good? You know, you know that that kind of thing. Right. I think we're almost to heading towards a confrontation because uh, talking about Balin, he seems like he's maybe a fairly traditional dude. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of foresee us going towards a confrontation uh, between the masters, between Balin and Ahsoka, of him kind of getting that that uh, respect he has for her taken down a peg when he sees, uh, you know, you've taken on an apprentice and not only is she not force sensitive, she's a Mandalorian. And that seems right. like something like a very traditional Jedi might have some beef with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, and I think that's, that's like I said, I think that'd be a very interesting exploration. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and, and again, as, as you've said cautiously a number of times during this conversation already, it's, it, it's wise to temper expectations right because because well because like sometimes when like the the fan fiction brain gets really cooking and you start thinking about like possibilities and potential outcomes and that unfortunately leads to unreasonable expectations no you're right i i started talking about the stab wounds and i got in the fan fiction brain i gotta uh-huh. i gotta take a <laughs> <laughs> well, see what happened is you turned a couple dials and it just unlocked the entire star map no, and it's exactly. just like i i mean it, it you know it, 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 we gotta be careful otherwise we're gonna start shipping people too and it's just like <laughs> no no none of that we're not doing that here that's not that kind of thing not that kind of thing <laughs> no i my my I'll, I'll wrap back around to my point of the uh the the uh the foils between the master and the apprentice yeah uh i i think a lot of this the setup here is that Ahsoka and Sabine, I, I feel like at the moment, are the absolute worst master and apprentice we have ever seen. Uh, and they apparently already discovered this a while back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I another I, I this might still be fan fiction brain, but I'm I am also anticipating <laughs> at some point Sabine finding like logs or recordings or something of Ahsoka just being an absolute nightmare as a child. Um, and I think that would, that would, uh, like at, at some point Sabine is just going to have to find out that Ahsoka was also a tiny menace as a Padawan. Um, exactly. I, I think that will be an important, 
you know, bonding moment for them of a, a Sabine May being like, oh, maybe you're not, you know, an old crone. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. You're just you're just old Rosario Dawson now. Um, <laughs> right. But oh man, well, how about this? Uh, so we're we're here now. We're we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna. Uh, steep in it um what if in like these old hollows that um that sabine finds it's it's just footage from clone wars episodes and it's <laughs> and, and it's literally the animation models that'd be that'd be very cool that, have- that would be that would be pretty wicked or like what actually what, what another thing that would be cool is like i, I don't think they'll do this uh, like i said the imagination is running wild now but um <laughs> at some point Let's say there's a a flashback to kind of the falling out between Ahsoka and Sabine because you know you there has to be something to where you get to the end of Rebels, which is kind of like almost immediately post Return of the Jedi, and now at least five years, if not longer, has passed. Um, probably, I you know it, it's interesting like. Um, uh, John Favreau said something uh, about like the timeline of like the Mandalorian era. And I, I forget exactly how he said it, but it's like suddenly like a disproportionate amount of time that has passed. It's like, oh yeah, Grogu was with Luke for like two years. And it's like, the hell you say? What are you talking about? Um, so it, it's very unclear to figure out how much time has passed, how far away from when we first saw Sabine, when she first encountered Mando. So, I mean, I don't know, we could be anywhere between like five and I don't know, seven to 10 years uh, uh, past Return of the Jedi at this point. My point being, I, I, I got way too far on that, but um, I, I, I would imagine that you could show what that falling out was because time, there was a falling out and time has passed because uh, again, the character's hair is longer. But <laughs> but 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 no. Um, it, it would be kind of cool if they revisit that as a flashback and then do that in animation. Um, right. That would be pretty cool, like an animated flashback where it's just done in the style of Rebels. I, I think um, outside of animation styles, I think some sort of retrospect on what exactly happened between them is going to have to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I don't know if they're trying to set up like a Ahsoka, the prequel, like miniseries or whatever. Um, but it just, it, I, I feel like it's, it's very necessary at this point to like, yeah. what, what happened here is very much a question that we are, I believe intended to be asking. Yes. Um, and it's at some point we're going to have to find out. And I feel like that's going to be like the theme of an entire episode. Um, and, and, and that might also come back to Sabine finding out that Ahsoka was also a tiny menace. Right. Um, but I, I and and at some point it's just going to have to be explored, um, and I'm interested to see in, in what manner they do that. So as we already talked about, you know, episode two, uh, part two of uh, Toil and Trouble, uh, we pick up where um, uh, you know Sabine is healing. Uh, she's got like this this uh, the the sick looking um, uh, cigarette lighter uh, scar on 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 her tummy got some tummy scarring and um, Hera and Ahsoka are off to uh, Corellia. They've, they've got a lead on like, you know, uh, 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 Lady Elsbeth's um, holdings. Like apparently she's still got 
like like factories or staff or something out on Corellia. And I I almost stuck my foot in it because I was gonna say, have we been to Corellia before in Star Wars? And and much like most other folks, I kind of forgot about the solo movie for for a hot minute. Um, that that opens very much on Corellia, but but it was it was really cool um seeing the the bustling uh shipyards. I, I thought like, you know, it kind of gave me a a very industrial port, kind of very tangible um uh sense. It kind of it kind of felt like some of the the Bryce Dallas Howard episodes of Mandalorian, like her episodes in particular, seem to have like the most like real world feel. Like you know, you you've got um you've got Mon Calamari running around in like cable knit sweaters and stuff, just yeah. just like work working the docks and stuff. I I love that. I I love blue collar aliens. I I just I just <laughs> think that that is like the coolest thing. Um, just. Just a uh, you know a uh, uh, bulldog dog looking folks just working working at uh, at the meat plant. It's fine, you know that kind of thing. Just <laughs> anyway, th- this this shipyard looks very um, real, for lack of a better term. Yeah, exactly. And they 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 delved. Uh, I don't know if delved is the right word. They they glanced a little bit the uh, sort of political side of Star Wars, uh, where they were like, mm-hmm. uh, so you've got a lot of formal Imperials working here. And he was like, oh, they don't care. They're getting paid. And then it was like, oh, uh, hmm. Actually, we're all Imperials and we all very much care. <laughs> and, uh, that was, uh, it, and like I said, it, it didn't delve too deep into it. But every time we see something like that in Star Wars, it's a little like, ooh, woohoo, exciting politics, because I grew up with the prequels. <laughs> sure. But it, uh, no, so, you know, we, we see things like that and it's interesting. And because of, you know, real world things that are going on, it's like, oh, that's, hmm, how about that? Um, yeah. Yeah, was, very much was, so. There there was a very tense scene where they're in this little transport ship kind of riding through the shipyards and they're getting these like looks from all these workers. Um, and Hera and Ahsoka are both kind of sitting there like, uh-huh, and they don't care. <laughs> interesting. And they're like, they keep, it was it felt it almost felt long um while they were kind of doing this like exposition while they were driving on this little car and keep seeing these people kind of side-eyeing them and it was it was uncomfortable and it was i think it was supposed to be um but it was uh it it was a super interesting scene um the and you know it kind of leads into this uh this uh protocol droid ratting them all out which was very fun for me (laughs) um but that was a, it, the you know the office setting was also uh, it, it felt a little bit Andor um, and it was yeah it, it was interesting to see that was that was the vibe I got from it also and uh, my buddy Sean while we were watching it he was like he pointed at the screen he's like oh so that's how C three PO gets his red arm and I'm like <laughs> I'm like okay that's, that's fine fine whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed how the, the, the tension in the scene ratcheted up and you just see like this one squirrely controls guy. He's just like audible sweat. <laughs> and it's just fi- finally he just uncorks and, 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 and um, Ahsoka just jumps through a window, you know, a, a, as, as one would. <laughs> they, was needed their, cool. they did need their trailer shots and they got them in there for sure. <laughs> but that was it was a it was a cool shot i enjoyed it i'll take the fruit absolutely i i could have used a a uh a marvel humor-esque uh scene of hera just watching uh walking up to the now shattered window going like 
huh. You know, and just like turning around to go take the stairs or an elevator or something. <laughs> One of the dudes is like, it's unlocked. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be good. But yeah, and and this kind of gets into, um, it culminates in that thing that you had uh, mentioned earlier about like, yeah, the the transport with the hyperdrive is very slowly getting away. They're very slowly getting away. And, that was my and, biggest irritation with this episode. The only saving grace was the fun little shot of irritated Ahsoka slightly leaning out of the way for the lightsaber to come back. That was fun. Oh, that that was super rad. And we hadn't even talked about, um, you know, like we, we had talked about Balin and Shin, but like at some point, they they got a mysterious uh, snake eyes looking inquisitor hanging out with them. Mm, I have I mm, okay. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> so this this come we come to the part now where I have to explain the Blorco joke to you. Um, oh yeah, please. <laughs> so a while a while back, this uh this this post went around of uh, someone complaining about uh, Marvel movies. And they said, why do I, why do I, when I go to a Marvel movie, I have to sit there for 10 minutes until I, like the entire theater erupts at a scene of a door opening and some guy going, it's me, Blorco, and then it cuts. <laughs> and, <laughs> they're, they're, and so this uh, trend, I guess, of characters that get their, their, their big reveal, and it's someone that, you know, the, the people who are in on the joke, they know and they go, oh my god, that's, you know, so-and-so from this, like, comic, you know, 30 years ago, right? Um, so yeah. that, that, is, that is what I, 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 I joyfully refer to as a Blorko. Um, so I, my, my desired Blorko is I very much want that third person to be Barriss. Um, I have been dying for Barriss to come back since, the, uh, since she was escorted out of the courtroom in the Clone Wars. Um, and again, I'll, I'll add some context. Uh, sure. Barris was a, a, a Padawan alongside Ahsoka. They had a, a handful of arcs together where they, you know, had the, oh, we're, you know, Jedi Padawans together and we're, uh, we're, we're foils because Barris is very good at meditating and holding still and Ahsoka is very antsy and wants to go do things. Uh, and they, they were, they were fairly good friends. Um, they almost died together a handful of times. It was great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we get to this point where, uh, it, it very much looks like Ahsoka has, bombed uh, a, an area full of civilians uh and this leads to her being exiled from the jedi order uh and being on the run for a while until anakin uh clears her name by revealing that it was barris who who did this and who framed ahsoka and it's it's all it's all very tragic and very sad um but we have not seen barris since then uh she was she was arrested she was thrown in jail under sidious's watch um and i i think she's a shoo-in to be a, an inquisitor that because Sidious would be stupid to not have shoved a red saber in her hands and set her loose. Uh, right. she's, right. she's already got, you know, this, uh, she, she had a, a very cool scene at the end where she, she stole Asajj Ventress's lightsabers and had a fight with ah. Anakin. Um, and, and I don't remember what Anakin said, but it was some, some quip about like, Oh, you know, you're using, you know, evil lightsabers, you're a bad guy now. And, and she said something like, I think it suits me. And it was a very, very, very cool moment. And it was like, Oh, she's, she's full evil. It's terrible. Ah, uh, <laughs> but I, she, she hasn't been in anything since, which is very, very rare for a star Wars character. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's been, uh, shoot. Where's my, where's my timeline? It's been do 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 a decade since this happened and we have not seen anything happen to bear. She hasn't been in any comics, hasn't been in any books. Uh, her, I, I did double check this, her Wikipedia entry stops after that. Um, there's nothing. 
So I'm, wow. I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for her to come back in some capacity. And I think this is the perfect show for it. So I would, that's one of my, my wish lists is to have a uh, Barris show up. And I've got a few other things on my wish list that I'll bring up at some point. But Ooh, I, I, oh, go ahead. I very much, I, I think that that third Inquisitor, ooh, that could be Barris. And if it's, if it's not, that's fine. I won't be too disappointed. But I, I do think this is the perfect show for her to show back up again. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since it's specifically an Ahsoka show and it's picking up on all these threads. And as you said, this is a character that hasn't been used in anything. And it seems like the the stage is perfectly set. Um, this might be a little bit of a, a tangent, but how do you feel about Inquisitors in general? So I... A fairly ambivalent um, when when Rebels came out, which I think was our first big taste of the Inquisitors. Yeah. Um, I did think the helicopter lightsabers were a little bit silly, um, but it was a it was a good little reminder that this is a show for children. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a it, you know I was like oh like that was the the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing. I was like they're gonna make a toy out of that, and then they did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But no, I uh, in terms of like uh, I, I think it's an interesting way to address all these stories that are being told after the premise of the Jedi have been wiped out. There are no more Jedi. And then being like, actually there's this guy and also this guy and this guy over here. And also this mm -hmm. guy there's, so we're like, Oh, maybe there's, you know, several force users still. And I think the inquisitors are a good way to address that of yes, there are still uh, force users and there are still force users being born uh, and they are being hunted down and brainwashed in, you know, to, to become, these Jedi hunters and killers. Um, right. And, and I think it does, it becomes necessary after we've kind of diluted the, all the Jedi are dead to, uh, well, there's a good chunk of Jedi that aren't dead actually. Um, right. But I, I think it's a good way to address it. Um, whether it's always been done well is a, is a, is a, a different argument in its entirety. Um, the, yeah. uh, uh, shoot, it was uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, I believe voiced seven sister in rebels. Yep. And that, that yep. was just fun for me. Cause I like her. Um, but no, I, it's, like I said, it's a, it's a whole thing. There's a lot more inquisitors than I thought there were, um, which again, there's a lot more Jedi than I thought there were too. So, right. Um, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, there's, you know, a few gripes, but I think overall it was, it, it the inquisitors are necessary for the story. That's fair. I, I, you know, sometimes I, I forget what era this takes place in and cause like it threw me off because like really I mean it, this this is so weird to say but what really kind of fouls up continuity more than anything is the original trilogy because it's like none of these Dave Filoni knuckleheads are are flitting around anywhere and then now you get post Return of the Jedi oh I guess Inquisitors are back I guess um so it, it's it's one of those things that kind of squares squares a little funny uh with me and and unfortunately i i am in the camp well well i did enjoy it in in rebels but like i remember when the obi-wan show came out and there were going to be inquisitors and that the the grand inquisitor was going to be in there and i'm just like wait a sec what what are we doing you know th th there was i i was having some continuity brain problems but like the thing i kept showing my friends uh was the clip of the of the inquisitors and their helicopter lightsabers and i'm like if they don't do this in live action i'm going to be disappointed because i would love it, to it, see that in live action <laughs> i want and, to and fly was, away 
It would be one of those things where I would both love it and hate it equally at the same time. It's like, that is so dumb, but that is so awesome that they actually did it. You know, you know, that, that kind of thing. So when this mysterious inquisitor shows up and we see them ignite the other side of the blade and you see that it's very much an inquisitor lightsaber. Um, Not that it was ambiguous in any way, but like, it's, it's kind of shown as a reveal, like, Hey man, it's, it's one of these, you know, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, now, you've, you've got me on this train of thought with the with the with this potential bearish thing. And I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. And what I'm trying to remember is like I would I would have to go back and uh, watch the episode again. But um, I don't remember paying that close attention to the Inquisitor's body type. Like, I mean, they're, they're probably on the, on the leaner side, but is it explicitly uh male or female or is it kind of more androgynous or, or ambiguous? Um, because like, I guess I'm not seeing any evidence that says that it's, that it couldn't be Barris, you know, if, to, to take it that way. Right. No, I, it's, it is very, very possible. I am blinded by my, my, I've been waiting to see Barris again for 10 years brain. Um, but no, I, I do feel like the, the third person was, uh, intentionally, you know, masked and very vague. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I do feel like the, uh, the body type was, was fairly ambiguous. Um, they, they have the, the, the lean and cool and agile <laughs> body type of like, oh, yeah. this person, this person's gonna, gonna fight and they're gonna be really good at it. Um, unfortunately for them, Ahsoka has always been shown kicking Inquisitor ass nonstop. Right. So, uh, that is a, a constant Ahsoka versus Inquisitor is, oh, yeah, Ahsoka's definitely going to win this. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. There's some very cool Rebels fights. Uh, if, if For anybody listening that has not watched Rebels, that's okay. I understand. Please go watch all of the Ahsoka lightsaber fights in Rebels. I'm sure there are YouTube compilations. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's no shortage of like, you know, recaps and, and other cool stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so the, the fight with the Inquisitor is really cool. I, I like that this poor assassin droid gets gets stuck in the middle <laughs> and and just gets horrifically murdered. <laughs> um, and uh, but then, yeah, so so from there, like like you said, you get the that that bitchin parting shot where it's like, you know, the inquisitor throws their saber and it's gone for a disproportionately long time to the point where I think the point was to let the audience forget about it. All right. And then, yeah, you, you get the payoff with like, Oh yeah, I should probably call that back. And, and like you had already said, Ahsoka just kind of like barely rolls a shoulder for it to, um, uh, uh, to go back. And the thing that's interesting about that is like, nobody seems impressed by that. Like like Shin isn't impressed. The Inquisitor obviously is is masked, but like even a Ahsoka, like I almost see like a whoof, you know, like like <laughs> brushes off the shoulder or something like, oh hey, <laughs> um, or like you find out later that like you know like part of her sleeve got got clipped or something like that, but right. whatever. Um, but I I forgot a joke that I was gonna make earlier about like Ahsoka running after this very slow moving starship with the <laughs> with the very with the very heavy hyperdrive is like I I saw a meme going around where it's like as a as um, as Ahsoka gets older, 
the more layers she puts on and it's and it's the it's the progression from you know her as a young child in clone wars you know where she just basically has like a tube top on you know and um yeah but like as she gets older she puts on more and more clothes where like you know rosario dawson is basically running around in a full set of bed sheets so it's like (laughs) so like no wonder she can't run very fast because she's she's just like weighed down with like an entire flannel blanket on top of her (laughs) okay i'll allow that yeah (laughs) thanks thanks i appreciate that Uh, but yeah, so as as this uh, as this vessel escapes, we get to it first. We get to see the Phantom back in action with uh, with Hera behind the controls, and then it's it's time. It's time. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> Our favorite war criminal live action. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, you know, again, one of my other various crimes against the, the fandom, I learned just today, a friend of mine at work had, had told me about this. Cause like they were talking about the dialogue and I was, I was glowing about um, how faithful chopper looks, you know, it's like they, they got, they got the little hands right. And they, they put like this, this kind of like um, I don't even know how to describe it, but the thing where like he can he can move his head correctly, like like he does in the show. It's like you know it, it like rolls and you know and and that kind of thing. And I said something about the dialogue, and he's like, "Well, you you know that's Dave Filoni, right?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Yeah, no, Dave Filoni. Vo- he Chopper has lines. He reads the lines, and then they put it through like you know the vocal processing, and that's that's why Chopper sounds like he's speaking, but it's also like you know droid binary because it's basically like heavily distorted Dave Filoni uh, dialogue, which I did not know until this." day today oh welcome no so i i love chopper but it is i do uh my my dad loves chopper more than anybody um so uh my my uh happy early birthday to my dad who turns 50 uh on sunday uh or, well, not, not on sunday but we are celebrating on sunday uh nice. he loves chopper with all his heart um and so so i've always gotten a steady stream of, of chopper intel uh for a while where uh and i think uh, probably one of the first times I, I heard my dad use uh, such strong language uh, was when he he happily told me about when uh, Chopper Chopper can I can I say the f word on here, Mike? Sure, yeah, yeah, you're All fine. Right. Go ahead, uh, go ahead. He, he very excitedly told me that Chopper said "fuck" in Rebels, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was very funny. Yeah, because um, my 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 family is we my parents don't really swear around me, uh, or at least they didn't used to, uh, sure. and that was that was very fun for me whenever I got to hear my dad say "fuck." Um, but he, he was, he was very giggly and excited. He was like, did you hear that? Cause <laughs> he was, he was, he was pumped. Um, but no, we do. Uh, he, he also very excitedly told me about Chopper's kill count, um, which I thought was fun. So mm-hmm. he was like, I just read a Reddit post about Chopper having killed over 50,000 people. <laughs> I was like, Oh, cool. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so good. But but again, like like I said, I I I I'm always nervous when we're bringing characters from animation into live action and uh Chopper didn't disappoint because he he's very much a cartoon character. 
Yeah, and it, it translates very, very well. They did a very good job of it. And the whole mm-hmm. scene of him and Hera back and forth was very fun. Yeah. Um, and and they, they just they just talk. And we, we got to see, too, uh, in Bad Batch that Hera has been working with Chopper since she was very, very young. Uh, so right. that, that makes sense, and it's very cute and very fun. It's all very wholesome. Um, but it, it's it just... It, it makes you kind of like, oh, that this is nice. I like this. This is so good. <laughs> yep. And it's them chasing after a ship that's running away and throwing a tracker at it. And it, it, it was one of the most fun scenes in the show. Yeah. It, it literally throwing a tracker at it. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, like Chopper gets his his little utility arm and literally throws it. It's just like and, and again, I I could only imagine for what like a first time viewer watching this is going through. It's like, what is happening? They're like, no, that's the kid appeal character. And like several people my dad's age are like, Chopper. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Th- there is just something about like a cantankerous astrodroid. And yeah, I mean, I mean, Chopper ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, such a fun character. Um, So, you know, the, the episode builds to an ending where you're reunited with uh, your bad guys. Turns out they're, they're uh, adding multiple hyperdrives to this eye of Scion thing, which first it's interesting to see a hyperdrive ring. Again, because you know that you don't you don't see them very often, but like this one is very big and presumably very powerful. And I, while while it's cool and it's a you know it's a it's a good way to end the episode. That again, I I spent a lot of time litigating this already, but like I don't entirely understand what the state of things is because it seems like at some point grand Admiral Thrawn presumably with Ezra um, has reemerged in uh, you know, in, in the future and more or less the characters just had to age up to, to catch up to him, but that like Thrawn has been in contact with Lady Elspeth and it's, I, I don't know what to think of that. And it's like, I mean, obviously, we're we're building towards some kind of riff on Heir to the Empire, which which is fine. Um, I mean, you you literally see Captain Paleon in uh, in uh, Mando season three, which I thought I that that was a big one for me. I was like, ooh <laughs> ooh ooh. <laughs> it's like I mean, he looks just like him. You know, he's got you know the push broom mustache and stuff, and so I thought that was really cool. But like, I I don't. I don't entirely understand the the thread of plot that they're doing here. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, there, there's, it's very obviously setting up quite a few things. Um, but I, I think that whole scene was, the back and forth was very interesting of the, you know, reveal that she's descended from, if not a night sister. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Balin and Shin have some some interesting kind of back and forth of, you know, El- Elspeth is saying, you know, Thrawn is, is, is speaking to me and they, they say, you know, that's that's dreams. You're having dreams. Um, and it's it, it's just interesting to see kind of how they're interpreting this. Um, we, we just because of, you know, marketing and things like that, we know that Thrawn is going to show up in some capacity sure. um, because, you know, there's, you know, oh, my God, you know, we this is live action Thrawn. That's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. 
but there's so we know he's coming at some point in some way if we did not know that i might almost be convinced that she she's you know making this up in some way um, oh that'd be so cool though right like she and, and i'm at, at some point uh she she is the sort of character where i wouldn't be really surprised if she had her own motivations that you know were not uh let's go find thrawn and that might right. be an interesting twist of, hey, I'm going to go to this other galaxy for reasons. And then also Thrawn is there. Oh, my God, I was not expecting that to happen. I was making that up. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah. That could be fun. Um, the, the the Night Sisters have always been a little bit, a little bit, you know, morally gray, a little bit shady, always, you know, kind mm-hmm. of working on their own agenda. Um, but uh, Balin, uh, this is where we get to the point where, uh, you know, she's like, what do you what do you sense about Ahsoka? And he says, like, you know, she's she's determined, uh, but it's, you know, unclear. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he says, I don't remember the exact line. He says something along the lines of it would be a shame to kill her. Um, there, are yes. so few, there are so few Jedi left. Or, and I think that's pretty close, if not the, the quote. Um, and, and I just think that's a very interesting moment. Uh, I, I got excited. Uh, let, let's rewind a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but we were... Uh, we were saying she's, uh, you know, she's looking for Thrawn. She's building this giant, uh, the the, uh, we can use a billion terms to hyper ring space, you know, whatever. Um, well, it, it has a name. I mean, I mean, they they call it the Eye of Scion. The Eye of Scion isn't Scion. Yeah. Scion is uh, I know that word. Hold on. Uh, that's like the yeah. I was gonna say that's the the child of a, a wealthy aristocratic or influential family, uh, yep. which which Elspeth uh is is appears to be uh she is also you know a, a essentially a business person um right. but uh it, it's it, it is it is massive and it is not uh there's a section of star wars fans that are here for ships and they will be very happy <laughs> yeah yeah it's like what we know that the the hyperdrive ring is that big so what kind of vessel needs something that big right and that's that's pretty cool and it's like and it makes me wonder it's like is that i don't know some kind of like precursor to star killer base or something like that i mean it has to be right i mean maybe but then again it's star killer base is you know using death star technology on an existing planet Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but but with with like this Eye of Scion thing, it's like you would be moving something that big, theoretically. But yeah, I, I don't I mean, it, th- that's that's just going to be a we're going to have to wait to see. Maybe it has something to do with the final order. You know, right. you know that that thing also. That's more um, what I was leaning towards the, the Death Star ships that they built. I feel like that's kind of leaning in that direction. Yeah. Which, you know, when, once you get. Thrawn involved in that then it kind of kind of becomes a dark force rising type of situation and you know anytime we can borrow from the Timothy Zahn stuff I'm I'm kind of okay with I'm I'm one of those folks that like I I loved those books when when I was a teenager um but I'm not one of those weirdos who says that that's the quote-unquote true sequel trilogy because I think that's I mean while they are three good books that's not three good movies. There's maybe like two good movies <laughs> between those three books, but but that's just me. And and there's some weird stuff that I don't know if belongs in in fiction anymore, um, or whatever. But um, but anyway, so like you know, any any time where we can touch on some of that that 
classic extended universe stuff. I'm I'm always here for it. I I'm like one of the I I, I am not so precious about the old extended universe that it makes me mad when when Disney like recontextualizes something. So like when it was announced that Thrawn was going to be part of Rebels, I I cheered. I was like hey, how cool is it that you take this character from a different continuity and put him in a completely different era, um, you know, not knowing how Rebels would end, ironically enough. So in a weird way, it kind of still reconciles itself. But uh, but anyway, I, I thought that that was kind of an example of some of the cool things that Disney could do with previous extended universe stuff. So we'll we'll see exactly how precious you are, because my deep, dark confession is I still have not read the Timothy Zahn trilogy. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, because, I mean, here, here's the other thing, too. It's like th with that kind of extended universe stuff, and I don't know if enough people talk about this so much. There's so much of it. There is. You know, bet between, like, all of the, the dumb Jedi Order novels. And here's the other thing. So, I mean, since we're going confessions and stuff, half of it isn't any good. Like, <laughs> I've I've read a lot of terrible Star Wars novels. I have read a lot of terrible Star Wars comics, both from Dark Horse and from Marvel. There, There's a lot of garbage out there. there. There's a lot of really good stuff. But I would say that the vast majority of it. So like, so when Disney came in and said clean slate, I'm like, you know, I'm wiping my hands. I'm like, good, good. <laughs> throw, throw that stuff out. And nobody is coming to your house and taking your books away. So if uh, if you want to go back and revisit those stories, fine, knock yourself out. But like, yeah, I, I yeah, that 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 doesn't that doesn't bristle me at all. It's just like because I mean, some of this stuff is like almost 30 years old. <laughs> it's like you know who cares see my when the uh uh when disney disney bought star wars uh my my yeah. biggest uh fear was again because i was a child uh yeah. was about the the 2003 uh clone wars uh yeah because as i mentioned asajj ventures is part of my gay awakening um mm -hmm. 2003 shakti was also part of my gay awakening and i did not know that at sure. the time <laughs> adored 2003 clone wars and still adore 2003 clone wars and i think we need to get anakin eating bugs in live action um but that was <laughs> that was probably yeah. the most attachment that i had to uh, the extended universe and i think there are people that will argue that that's not quite extended universe um but it's a uh, that that's a, that's pretty much as far as i go yeah yeah, I, I I have a great amount of affection for that, uh, for the the 2003 Clone Wars that that uh, Gendy Tartarovsky um, stuff. It, it gives us the what I still feel to be the best scariest version of General Grievous. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely. like so when he shows up, when he shows up in like Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, coughing and wheezing and twirling a mustache no i want to see him doing gymnastics with multiple lightsabers and multiple limbs fighting off a horde of jedi but like still and again i'm getting way off topic here but like still to this day one of my favorite star wars things and, and again i point to weird things as as my favorite star wars things there there's a there's an episode where it's literally just a squad of clone troopers 
um, taking out this uh, this uh, uh, banking clan installation. And it's it's the silent episode where all they're doing is communicating in hand signals. Yeah. And 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 that it that episode, like, I mean, it's like 10 minutes or something like that is still one of my very favorite Star Wars things because it gives me like tactical military action. And I, I'm a sucker for hand signals. You know, it's like that kind of thing. And that uh, that particular um, arc trooper commander kind of kind of became like one of my favorite obscure characters for a hot minute. <laughs> just like and and it's and it's again just stupid little things where it's like he he pops up, pulls out both guns, smokes a bunch of uh, uh, battle droids. And that at the end of it punctuates it with the, with the Django Fett uh, pistol flip, and I'm just like, oh, that guy's cool. I like that guy. <laughs> we could do another podcast on the 2003 Clone Wars if you want. I could talk. You're about on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Break that down an episode at a time where where you get like um, a snow buddy Padme being all badass and yes. stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of cool stuff in that. You know, we we should do that. We we should actually do that at at uh, some other point because oh, I'm. It'd be so much fun. I, I might have to go watch that now because like, you know, when, when they put that on, I, I have the DVDs, but like, you know, once they put it on the plus, I was like, yeah, man, legitimacy. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, like I said, Anakin eating bugs, live action. That's my, that's my Star Wars request now. If we don't get totally. that, I'm, I'm, I'll be angry on the internet about it. <laughs> So I I lost the thread a little bit because I yeah, kind of we took us. Yeah, about to, Thrawn, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 I took us to the end of the episode, but I I skipped over a pivotal scene, and and you had mentioned it earlier, but where uh, Sabine digs out her armor, yeah. and and while while that was great and exciting, and I like that she's like you know meticulously laying out each piece, but um, oh boy. Like, you know, there, there's the scene and it's in the trailer and, and you know that, you know, the haircut is happening, but what isn't in the trailer is, uh, is the ritual with the knife. Mm -hmm. And there was that thing where it's like, I, I saw the knife sitting next to her helmet and I was just like, wait a sec. And then she does the thing where she's holding it in her, and, and like the scene goes on long enough where I was like, no, 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 yes, she did the thing. It's it such, such a cool scene. And what a, what a terrific callback. It was, it was very, very cool. It was, uh, the, uh, so I, I, <laughs> I'm on the, a completely different page here, but I was, I was sure. thinking about Mulan during the, uh, the scene. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cause it is, it is a very traditional, uh, shot of yeah. character growth um and it, it's you know something that has been used uh, over and over in media because it is such a good shot and such a, a good representation of the thing that this character has decided to do um and it, it, it's just it's always cool and it always hits well um but mm -hmm. it, it hits even better when they put on a whole bunch of armor and have a cool shot afterwards <laughs> absolutely absolutely and and anything to you know, uh, call back to Kanan also. I, I'm just like, that's Kanan's knife. It was, <laughs> like, it was very, very cool. Um, I would, that is one of the things I'd like to see Kanan at least, at least mentioned a little bit. Give, yeah. give my man some credit. Um, and, and I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the knife ritual as a, as a, as a little callback. Um, but, but give, give me a name drop. Just one. 
it, yeah, at least a name drop because like I I don't remember what the context was, but um, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. has said in uh, interviews that that he's he's kind of done, like that he he doesn't see any reason to come back, right. and. While that's sad, that's also totally understandable. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, because they they already got him to do some voice work for Rise of Skywalker. And in fact, actually, I think that's what it was. It was um, after that. He's like, yeah, I did this voice thing. And yeah, it was cool. But like, you know, in terms of like anything else, yeah, I, th- I think I'm kind of done. And I can respect that, too. Like, you know, once... And I, I'm under the impression that he he's been burned a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's uh like when you're done, you're done. And I I, I absolutely like good for you. You know. Mm-hmm. At some point, you gotta you gotta say you know hey for the the sake of my my well being and my self respect, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And you gotta just go like yeah, you do that, man. I'm happy for you. Thank you for doing what you did. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's like it with a salute. Thank you for your service. You know, that, exactly. that, <laughs> that, that kind of thing, because I mean, I, again, that that was another character that just really resonated in a way that I didn't think that it would. Um, I, I like Kanan quite a lot. Um, and, and and I liked what Freddie Prince Jr. did with him. Like, you know, I really I really liked his energy. Right. No, he was a he was a very interesting character who I, I like. When I started watching Rebels, uh, I did not care at all for Kanan or Ezra. Uh, and sure. by the end of the show, uh, they had definitely they did a very good job of getting me invested and in caring about them because I I did mm-hmm. love both of those characters at the end of the show. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of the same way. Um, so like when Kanan takes the pass, you 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 feel it, and and the, and there's even this this um, you know comes into it when. Uh, Ezra is kind of like in the in the not not the time stream, but, you know, basically like it's like he he at one point he has a choice and he makes the choice that he has to. And and it hurts. It does. It, it hurts real good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, you know, you, you have to let things happen the way that that they're they're supposed to and things happen for um a reason and i just you know a, as i brought that up that just kind of like unlocked something super obscure the imagery of that and i don't i don't know what to call that where where Ezra was like in this like you know astral plane type of thing the imagery is very similar to what we see um in the in the star map and at the temple and the connections they're being made over the um over the end credits. Uh the the name for that is the the world between worlds, I believe is what you're referring to. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, again, super rusty on uh on my rebels. But uh, like, you know, <laughs> I, just I like mean, I mean just lot. you know, like 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 the circles and the lines and and the the patterns of the shapes. It it feels like they're kind of going for specific imagery even including the font for the Ahsoka title. Yeah, I would be baffled if they, they did not make a return. And not necessarily like having characters go to the world between worlds, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you know, bringing it back in some aspect of like, hey, here is how this has impacted, uh, you know, events going forward. Uh, or, right. or even that being how they end up getting to Ezra and Thrawn or how Ezra and Thrawn end up getting to them. Or maybe how just Thrawn gets to them. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if that's how he's communicating with Elspeth. 
Oh, sure. You mean through the the world between worlds? Yeah, exactly. Ah, because yeah, that that I mean, again, I've I've already brought it up once, but it, it does seem weirdly specific that like you know. Elspeth needs the star map to figure out specifically where Thrawn is. And it's like, what, what indication is there that he would be there? You know, you know, that kind of thing. But, but going with the imagery that we just discussed, you know, that that's, that's entirely possible. That actually kind of tracks. Right. There's um the, and I might be misremembering this, the impression that I'm under uh, is that people who are in the world between worlds can impact events in i guess the real world um but that it is is difficult to impact events in the world between worlds unless you are physically there um we we saw this kind of happen with uh ezra exploring the world between worlds uh when he uh saved ahsoka from vader uh because he he just kind of yanked her in and i i think uh and again with the disclaimer that i might be misremembering this yeah yeah um the I think the implication was that the only reason they were able to leave was because of uh, Ahsoka's uh, uh, guardian, uh, the uh, her, her her owl whose name I have to yes. Google real quick. Hold on. Uh, oh right, right. Mor- Morai, uh, who I have also a bunch of merchandise of, so I, that was my my, <laughs> my my bad fan moment. Um, but they uh, and there's there's a whole bunch of context there as well with the, the essentially Ahsoka's guardian is the light side of the Force that also is the reason she's alive. Um, but it's a uh, it, it's very cool. Please go explore it. There's a lot of neat lore there. Um, but I could I could see the explanation being that Ezra and Thrawn are trapped there and they do not have a way out because they do not have the manifestation of the light side of the Force guiding them out. Um, oh right. Yeah. So that that could be interesting. Uh, not you know not suggesting that is exactly what is happening, but that could be what's happening. Maybe would not be super surprised if that is what is happening. That'd be super cool. And and that actually kind of transitions into kind of like the the end phase of our of our uh, conversation here. So that that's the end of uh, part two. And now the table is kind of set for, you know, like like I said, we're a quarter of the way through the series already. But like so before we wrap up um, one, you know, uh, let's take a let's take a a trip through your notes and see if there (laughs) there was stuff that we haven't touched yet. But also kind of through that um kind of kind of put out some hopes and dreams and kind of stuff that 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 potentially we're uh, we're looking for so i do think i managed to shove all of my notes into our conversation um which is is uh good and fun for me but i do apologize <laughs> um i do i do have an entire section of uh labeled wishes uh and then Ooh. uh desired blorkos as well as a, as a subsection of that um, but I, I think the, the, the segue I've got here is uh, uh, kind of what happened to Ezra and Thrawn. Uh, mm. And I, like I said, because of marketing, I think we're pretty well under the impression that Thrawn is alive and coming back in some capacity. Um, we, I, I don't think we have any reason to believe that Ezra is alive. Um, and I, I'm worried that that might be our big twist is that Ezra has been killed. Um which would like suck, but like I, I think it would make story sense, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that'd be a, a that kind of again that pivotal moment in that hero's journey that I was talking about earlier. Hmm. Yeah. Like like he's been dead the whole time. Right. That we were like, like for a man who has been dead for several years. Exactly. Like like maybe he didn't even survive the journey. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that that kind of thing, or like you know, in communing with the space whales, maybe it like you know 
took it, the entirety of his, you know, life force or life essence. And then, you know, he, he ran out of juice or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think another um, uh, potential story beat that makes sense uh, is Ezra getting the kind of Quinlan Voss treatment. Uh, and I, did you read the Asajj Ventress book? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, so like, I mean, so I, I, um, saw her pop up in another uh, a number of Clone Wars comics from Dark Horse, but like, so you're saying like an actual novel, right? Yeah. Oh, oh no, I, I I have not read that. I don't think many people did. Um, so uh, Quinlan Voss was a, a character in in uh, Clone Wars, but he was also in the uh, the Ventress novel. Um, mm-hmm. And the the premise was that they and, and the comics as well. Yes. So yeah, yeah. so like when you so yeah so like I so that that's my impression of him. That that's where I first came across him. Right. Um, so but he, anyway, sorry. He ends up falling. Uh, the the premise is that they are teaming up to stop Dooku, uh, and Quinlan Voss has to. Um, and I don't remember all the like the names of the the customs and the rituals that were explored from the Night Sisters, but he he has to mm. walk the line between light and dark. Uh, and he he fails miserably at it and ends up falling to the dark side. And it's a it, uh, I, I don't remember all of this. It's been a very long time since he re- uh, since I read this. But you know he he falls to the dark side and it's a big issue because he was forced to use the dark side for you know purposes without getting mm-hmm. too deep into the book. Um, right. So another another story beat I think that would make sense is Ezra getting that same treatment of uh, falling to the dark side out of desperation, which is how we see most people fall to the dark side if not all. Um, yeah. And I, I could very easily see season two being bringing Ezra kicking and screaming back to team good guys. Um, but those, those are the two story beats that I think would, would make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's just the angsty teen and me coming out. Um, but the, 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 the third story beat would be Ezra's heroic return when they are like Thrawn has kicked everyone's ass and Ezra shows up out of nowhere. Uh, that would also, I think, fit very well. So yeah. there's there's a lot of things that could happen. And this is, again, just me wildly speculating uh, on what the season finale will probably be. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I am interested to, you know, it's it's been several years. What happened? Uh, how are they doing? <laughs> uh, right. and why, why now uh, is, I think, another big question. Yeah. And, and, and it's th- there is an interesting component of this moment in Star Wars history because once you get to that 30 year jump uh to the sequel sequel era none of these characters exist and it it, it kind of gives an interesting playground to play with you know it's like either they're they're still around or you don't hear from them or whatever i mean like you know mando's not around grogu isn't around um you you get to see like one Mandalorian flag, you know, there, there's like a mythosaur skull at like Maz Kanata's palace at, at one point or something like that. But like that, that's really the only kind of tether to any of this stuff in the sequels. But it's interesting going back to Mandalorian for a few it and, and, and now Andor and um, well, I mean, not yeah, kind of, Andor. I forget what it was, but there was some some vague reference to putting something in Andor that was going to tie into later stuff. I don't remember what it was. It was some sequel era bait. Um, but anyway, um, it, it just really feels like that this era is also trying to lay track and a pathway that will ultimately 
lead to the sequels where we have stuff like Petronian Guards and Starkiller Base and and First Orders and uh, a, a resurgence of clones. Because, um, I mean, I mean, somehow Palpatine returned. So I think I think that's what I feel like the storytelling uh, from Mandalorian onward has kind of been. It's like I think they might be just trying to answer the somehow in the in the somehow Palpatine returned, but that that they may be too much of a stretch. No, I I don't think it's a stretch at all. I mentioned earlier on um, that uh, the the 2008 Clone Wars series did huge strides for the prequel. Uh, movies and i think that's a big part of why they are so beloved now and why we saw such a shift in in uh, reception to the prequels um mm-hmm. and, and i think they're kind of hoping to pull that off again um by because like you know being honest there is a, a very loud uh, amount of people that do not like the sequels at all that you know viciously hate the sequels sure um, and and i i do there is always kind of that underlying tone of we're, we're trying to kind of right right away the issues that people have brought up um and and i'll add the disclaimer again i like the sequels i i have uh you know so, some beef with the storytelling but it, it's i like them they're star wars i like star wars uh um, yeah there you go yeah <laughs> yeah um and, and but i don't think it's a stretch at all to say that this is you know connecting the dots and laying the groundwork for the sequels um retroactively um and i i, I don't have any issue with that i think it's a i think it's a fine thing but i do <laughs> um i i do it, it does bring up a while back uh, when Snoke was first revealed. Ezra is Snoke was one of the big theories that was flying around, which I thought uh, in in retrospect is very, very funny. Um, it is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of the exes Snoke theories were, were a very fun meme for a little while. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't think that's a stretch to say at all. I, I think that's a very realistic interpretation. Gotcha. Um, so uh, what was the other uh, component of your notes? <laughs> My desired Blorkos. That's what it was. That's what it was. I, I couldn't remember. I'm like, I'm like, there was, there was like, there was like wishes. And then there was like, well, what was the other thing? Blorkos. That's right. Blorkos, that's right. Yes. I'm going to I, I, forcefully add I, that to your vocabulary. I, that's fine. I, I, in fact, I've probably already picked it up and don't, uh, don't even realize it, but I do appreciate that you put that in our uh, Discord conversation. You're just like, yeah, I've I've got a a a lengthy bit in my notes about uh, desired blorkos, and and you said um, I I have a section of notes entitled entitled desired blorkos, and I don't know if you'll if that's a joke you'll get. To which I responded, I promise you, it is not. Smiley face. <laughs> and then I proceeded to not explain it. I was like, I'll yeah. explain it. We'll, we'll do it live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. So, so you have more desired Blorcos? I do. So, uh, I do. I've got a, a short list um, with the caveat of, again, the world feels a little small, uh, but these are mm-hmm. all characters that are already connected to this story. Um, so, it's. I don't think it's a huge stretch. I don't think it's a, a going to be a a we see Zeb in a bar uh, and everyone freaks out kind of moment. Um, one of them is a given, uh, which I, I I don't think I'm the only person to ask for this, and I don't think it's an unreasonable request. I want to see uh, Force Ghost Anakin, uh, <laughs> and I want to see Force Ghost Anakin very very badly. I want to see I want to see controversial Force Ghost Anakin. I want to see the new Force Ghost Anakin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want I want to see Hayden. Um, and I, I, I want to see 
uh, we, we've very recently, there was a, a little, uh, a very tiny explosion of excitement um, because uh, Hayden Christensen had said uh, Ahsoka for the first time, uh, which was very, very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were, we were all like, woohoo, that's very exciting. Uh, but I would, I would like to see them have a conversation. I'd like to see live action Anakin and live action Ahsoka have a conversation. I want yeah. you to be terribly sad. Um, uh, but this this uh, segues into my next one. I I do I'd like to see Luke again, um, or or even a flashback uh, to Luke uh, telling Ahsoka that Anakin made it back to the light before he passed. Uh, that is a a scene that I have craved for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, very like you know, uh, there there was a fan comic that made the rounds a while back of, of that of that uh, someone's depiction of of that conversation. Which is uh, them meeting up on a on a rebel ship uh, post Death Star, uh, and and uh, you know Ahsoka like checking on Luke and uh, she, you know she's like you know what happened and she's distraught and she doesn't know why uh, and it's because Vader has just died um, and Luke Luke is telling her like he he made it back he 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 did good he is back he's on the light side I saw his Force ghost uh, he's you know he is happy uh, he is fine uh, he made it back he he did pass away but it is okay. And that is yeah. that is a scene that I crave with every ounce of my <laughs> being, uh, and I just I very much want Ahsoka to find out that 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 Anakin did did end up back on the light side. That is because the mm, sorry I'm having a lot of feelings right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you go make me roll a tear over here. That that's that that sounds incredible. There's um so the fight in Rebels uh was as far as we know the very last time that Ahsoka ever saw Vader, and it was crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that is absolutely one of, if not my favorite fights in all of Star Wars, is the the Ahsoka Vader fight, um, because she did hold her own, but she did also uh, she would have gotten killed if Ezra had not pulled her out of there, um, and the, um, the just the mix of all the different Vader voices saying then you will die was oh my god that hit so good, yeah. um, but that is that that relationship has always been so crucial to Ahsoka's character. And, and I am very happy that she stands on her own without Anakin now, but it is, it is very much a scene that I want to see is, is Ahsoka finding out that Anakin made it back to the light. This mm-hmm. might not be the show for it. And I will, I will accept that. Um, but it, it could be done and I'd love to see it. So. Gotcha. Do you think that this show goes more than just the one season? Uh, I'd be surprised if it if it did just stick to one season. Um, okay. Because again, with the ringing of the rag, um, not necessarily because of story reasons or anything. I think it is because Ahsoka makes money, and I think they will continue using Ahsoka for money. Again, sure. I'm fine with that. I will always take more yeah, yeah. content. Um, but I I would be very very surprised from a money making standpoint if this show did not continue past season one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause like, cause like I'm, I I'm kind of in a spot where I, I don't know if we're getting another season of book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It's like, do we need it? Um, I, I, I mean, I personally would like to, to see that. Uh, cause I, I think, I think Tamara Morrison has been very vocal about stuff he would like to see and do with the character and I, I've always found Tamara Morrison to just be adorable, you yeah. know, just like th- this, you know, th- th- this 
quietly uh, badass New Zealander with with like this. I mean, again, I should stop using the term adorable, but like he's just <laughs> I mean, just like his, his manner of speaking is um, God, I got I got to. I got to find some ways of describing it in a way that's not like infantilizing the man, but it's like, but he does have like a certain diction that that's, that's, that that's exciting and exotic. And there's, there's a part of me that like, I, I don't know, you know, I, again, representation matters. And when Boba Fett showed up with a dad bod, I was like, Oh my God, the character has grown up with me. You know, it's like exactly. the, the, the character has aged with me. And I, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I've talked about this on podcasts before and I, I don't mean to, you know, kind of like, like take us on a, on a weird tangent, but like, that's what we're, you know, for, like. it, it, that, that is true. But it's like, you know, when Boba Fett returned in that episode of Mandalorian and he's like, you know, in the, in the, in the full, his, his full dad bod with like the beat up costume. And he's just like throwing the, the armor of the vest over his Tuscan robes and stuff. <laughs> it's like that, that is probably aside from like evergreen Boba Fett, that, that version on a uh, Tython where it's like before he's repainted the armor and he's got like the tattered robes, I just, um, I, I don't know. I, I really like that iteration of the character because when that return happened, it made me feel like a kid again. And it's like, and it's, it's, it's rare to have moments like that when, uh, you know, as, as you get later in, into an adulthood, it's like, you know, it's, it's not quite like seeing Transformers, the movie in a movie theater. Um, uh, w when you, when you're over 40 years old and you haven't seen it since you were seven, that, that kind of thing. But, but I mean, close. So <laughs> I, so I, I could, I could only imagine, you know, kind of the, the connectivity that you're having with this, this Ahsoka Assance that you know we're really seeing that this character really being platformed and and spotlighted in a big bad way. Absolutely, no, I'm 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 having a great time. Um, like like I said, I do I do very much have the the scenes that I crave. Um, mm -hmm. but there's and and but I am I am very much I am being well fed and I will take whatever I get. <laughs> but I will I will take it happily. Um, I, I think my my last uh. My last desired Blorgo is very far-fetched, and I highly doubt it will happen. Uh, but if mm. it does, I will be over the moon. Uh, Ventress, if uh, we we brought up the night, oh, shoot, yeah. so I, I will I will bring up Ventress. Um, spoiler alert for the Dark Disciple uh, Asajj Ventress novel. She she did. Uh, Mike, are you are you bothered if I spoil it? No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, so she she did get killed in that that book. That was the ending of the book. Was she got killed by Count Dooku? Um, that being said, uh. I don't think it would be retconned. Uh, it could be retconned. I would rather it wasn't. I would like to see some sort of uh, like Night Sister ghost version of Ventress, because uh, the the Night Sisters are are not quite Force ghosts. They're more like this like sandy uh, like apparition. Um, yeah, and, and, like like a wraith kind of type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, wraith. That's that's perfect. Exactly. Um, and, and I I'd love to to see. Uh, and, and like I said, very very long shot. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, if we did, uh, that'd be very, very cool. Uh, just in general, uh, like less of a long shot. I'd like to see more night sister content since it's been brought up. Um, cause I, I, I've always thought the night sisters were very cool. Um, so more of that thumbs up. 
Um, but I, what, what about you, Mike? What do you want to see? What do you want to? Well, I, I would imagine that when Zeb shows up, he's gonna have, <laughs> he's gonna have some of his pilot friends with him, you know, to, you know, kind of cement that connectivity with, uh, with the Mandoverse. Okay. Um, I, I would, and I, I can't remember the, the other guy's names, but like, you know, there, there, there's a handful of pilots that, that we've seen carry over through seasons of Mando that, you know, who, who probably would have been the now abandoned Rangers of the new Republic, um, that kind of thing. But like, you know, I, I would like to see those folks show up. Um, and you know, it, it's probably like a, a basic bitch pumpkin spice latte, uh, type of thing, but like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Mando shows up. If Mando yeah. doesn't show up, I mean, because um, if anything, I I would like to see a another confrontation with uh, uh, Lady Elsbeth, and to learn that perhaps there's more history involved with that Beskar spear than we realized. Yeah. Um, that that it that is now um the 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 foundation of Baby Grogu's armor. So like you know just to tie all of that kind of in together, and um outside of that, um yeah I don't know I mean it's like so I I I just kind of want more of what we're already getting. So it's like basically Ahsoka season one is basically Rebel season five. And I, um, I, I, I like that quite a lot. I, I would like to see, I, I guess for me, it's maybe not even so much characters, but I, you know, like, um, you know, we've spent so much time on Lothal. So I would like to see like some of like that old tech, you know, like some of like the old toyetic stuff. Like that was the one thing that I loved about Rebels is like everything was a toy. And it was like either either like abandoned concepts that never got made into toys or things that were toys that never made it into canon before. Um, I yeah, there, there's there's a lot of stuff there that that I would just kind of like to um, I would just like to see. Um, I mean, it would be cool to to see Callus again, I suppose. Yes, I would love to see Callus. I can't believe I didn't put that down. Yeah, I, I I had to, and and in truth, I kind of stalled for a sec while I kind of brought up like a character list to <laughs> uh, to be like, I'm like, what was that dude's name? The dude with the epic sideburns? What, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, but yeah, no, I I would I would like to see what's kind of become of Callus because basically we kind of see him um, at the beginning of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so now it would be interesting to catch up with him after the fall of the empire um, to, to just kind of, you know, you know, kind of see how that's gone as well as, um, you know, any, any number of more Mandalorian characters. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like there's like, a, like I said, there, there's, there's any number of things at, at that point. Um but yeah, I guess I'll leave it there because I think I'm just kind of uh, <laughs> spinning at the at, at this point. No, um, absolutely. I did. Uh, there were a couple earlier that I mentioned, but uh, like I said, I'd like to uh, see Sabine finding out uh, how Ahsoka was a, a nightmare Padawan. I think yeah. that I think that would be fun. Um, and then I, I 
would be incredibly surprised if we did not have a Balin and Ahsoka fight at some point. Um, but I, I, I do want to see um, Balin's, I guess, reaction to Sabine, even if it's not the one that I predicted. Yeah. Um, because, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, certain we're going to get a, a heavy exploration of Balin and who he is and, and, you know, what his values are and things like that. Um, Absolutely. But I, I, I would be interested to see um, kind of, uh, I'm always interested to see the, you know, Jedi Mandalorian relationship stuff. Yeah. Um, well, and, you- and, spe- and speaking of here, here's a big one for me. And I, I don't even know why I, 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 it's like I tripped and stumbled all around it, but it's like, I couldn't find it in the dark. I, I would like to see Sabine meet Din Djarin. Yeah. That I want to see. So that's, I, I think just Mando Mandalorian stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like in big bold letters with underlines. Yeah. Well, Mandalorian like stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and more, Oh, here's, here's what it is. So, so Mando comes and says like, Hey man, we've retaken Mandalore. You know, oh, you know, yeah. you know, and, and Sabine has a choice. Does she go back with, I mean, you know, maybe even it's like Bo-Katan that comes but, but basically somebody comes and extends Sabine a hand and it's like, you know, come be with your people. And then, so she's got, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a bunch, maybe it's a bunch of Mandalorians. Maybe it's Mando and Bo-Katan and Axe and, and, uh, and Sasha Banks and all, all those other <laughs> folks. Maybe it's, maybe it's all of them. And it's like, so you could see this scene where Sabine is like on the one hand and like, you know, maybe Din Djarin's got his hand extended and she turns over and she looks at, say like like Ahsoka and Zeb and Hera and Chopper and uh, and and maybe even Kanan's Force Ghost I don't know but they're like <laughs> but 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 these are my people you know that that yeah. kind of thing no, that could, that would be really cool I could definitely see that being one of those like crucial decision moments of you know like do you and again with the the Mando Jedi stuff um, mm-hmm. it, it could very easily be the that that being seen of of you know being a Jedi Padawan, uh, I I could definitely see a handful of Mandalorians saying you are you are betraying our people uh, yeah. by doing this, um, and, and that's always an interesting exploration uh, to me. But I, I that is definitely a, a scene that I could see happening. Yeah, and you you get somebody like I don't know like Bo-Katan to be like the hell is that like gestures to <laughs> her lightsaber or or even more cutting get like the armorer or something like that. It's like Ooh, yeah. that is not the weapon of a Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, just, just be- up and she gets that look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the look that you can feel under a helmet. Exactly. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I think, I think we did it. I we think did. we did it. <laughs> no, this is always um, very, very fun. All right. So while I got you and before we, uh, we close out, cause I, I know bedtime is looming, uh, <laughs> like a, like a shroud. Um, I, I probably should have mentioned this, uh, when we started, actually, I probably should have kicked off with this, but, um, but you're, uh, you're doing extra life this year, right? Yes. I will talk about extra life all day long. If you will let me. Please. Um, so I do Extra Life every year. Um, this is, I, I think, actually my, my fourth year in a row. Um, but Extra Life is a, a Children's Miracle Network charity uh, that is essentially, I, I, I describe it as a, a marathon for gamers. Um, so you, you play video games for 24 hours straight and you raise money for Children's Miracle Network. 
Um, the over the past three years, I've raised over three thousand um, dollars. This year, Ooh. I am I am uh, leading my own team, which is uh, new and exciting and very cool. Um, and as as of today, actually, uh, we have already raised two hundred dollars, which uh, our our overall goal is ten thousand. Um, and two hundred does not sound like a lot in comparison to that, but typically fundraising does not start until um at least in this context until like late october early november uh, so right. 200 dollars is is very exciting because it's not even september yet um but uh so the team i am leading is called team paleans um and that is the the game i am leading a group for is uh as paleo it's a, a game that is currently in beta it is a very fun game um but our uh you can look us up by uh going to the extra life page uh our team id is six four eight four two uh, and I'll post that on my socials. Uh, it's already posted all over my socials. Um, <laughs> but uh, please, like, you don't need to donate. You don't need to stream. You don't need to do anything. Um, but, you know, if you if you do want to partake in some manner, you are more than welcome to. Uh, I'll be doing a 24-hour stream on November 4th with a handful of pals. Um, and it is a 24-hour gaming session, which sounds ridiculous, but it is exhausting. Um, so that will be starting November 4th at noon PST and going until November 5th at noon PST. Um, and there is always a lull at like 1 to 3 a.m. where I am just dying. Um, so I always need people to come in and just chat with me uh, throughout the day just to keep me awake. Um, oh, man. So if if that is a role that you are happy to fill, is just popping in and saying hello and chatting to me for a little while. Super appreciated. Um, like I said, there's a, a whole way. There's a whole range of ways to support Extra Life. Uh, even just popping in and saying hello to keep people awake is is fantastic. We love you. Um, but if you do want to join the team, you are more than welcome to. Uh, you do not need to stream the full 24 hours if you don't want to. Some people don't stream at all. Some people do two hours. Some people do 12 hours. Uh, some people do 24 hours. Um, but it is a very, very cool charity. Um, please consider, uh, if if not me and my team, please support someone in some capacity because there are you know hundreds of thousands of people that do this. Um, and it it is just a very very cool uh, charity that that helps a very cool organization that helps a lot of kids. Um, I, I'm very passionate about this because uh, Children's Miracle Network has has helped my family personally. So this is a a cause that that is very personal to me, and I'm very excited about. And like I said, I will talk about it all day long. So I will stop I now. It. But please take a look at that if you get a chance. Absolutely. And I'll, uh, I'll throw a link in the show notes as well. So folks can uh, uh, click to learn more if you want to click to learn more. There you go. I appreciate that. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. And um, outside of that, if folks wanted to uh, uh, keep up with what Whirl is up to on the internets and the socials, where could folks connect with you if they wanted to? Uh, I am most active on Twitter, unfortunately. Um, my my handle is at the whirlybird, um, Whirl. Uh, the whirl, uh, the letter E, and then bird. Um, I am also on Blue Sky under the same name. I have not quite started using it just yet. Um, and honestly, that is the majority of my internet presence at the moment. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitch under the same name, but that's connected with my Extra Life account as well. So, gotcha. Terrific. Well, uh, th this has been an absolute blast. I, I hope we got out of it what we were looking for because th this this depth of convo has been a long time coming, and I'm so <laughs> glad we had it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're at uh, about three hours now, which is about yeah. what I'm expecting. So, you know, yeah. I, 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 I said it to you before we, we pitched the Ahsoka one, but I, I was in the, the uh, it, it had been a little while since I had gotten to sit down and just talk to you for three hours straight, which I am always yep. – uh, 
got to get my fix, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, and and I I would imagine that that during the Cybefest off season that that maybe we'll do more stuff like this, you know, you know, throughout and just uh, you know, keep keep the name going if nothing else. It's like, "Oh, exactly. hey, Cybefest is still a thing that that people talk about." So, yeah. Um, all right, and that will wrap things up for this episode, but I'm sure we'll be back at the end of the season to do a follow-up on Ahsoka. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Mike's Ibert Radio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. But if all Transformers all the time is more your jam, check out my other podcast, Two Mics, Two Furious, with me and Michael Andrews as we discuss Transformers Animated one episode at a time. For my guests, Sean and Liz, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Cyber Radio. And until next time, remember, the Force will be with you always and make good choices. I was uh, listening to uh, Two Mike's Two Furious, uh, and you did your 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 post side fest a uh, little bit, and I uh-huh. did I did catch you did go into full promo mode, uh, and yeah. I, I think you mentioned that as well, and you were like it it's done though, so <laughs> see you <Yeah>. next year, <laughs> which is which is very fun for me. So yeah, it, it it's just a certain diction that just like it, it's like. Um, you know, like a, like a train going down the track and like, you know, the, the, the engineer guys throws the switch and the track <laughs> moves and the train just keeps going. And, and, and I was like super deep into it before I realized what I was saying. I was just like, why am I saying all this stuff? This is very silly. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. Cause it was, uh, it was very familiar. And I've, um, I, I, I listen to things very, very late, um, because my, my podcast sessions happen in like 30 minute intervals when I'm driving to places. So yeah, I've only, yeah. I, like I said, I've only just now started to kind of catch up and be on on track with uh, Two Mike's Two Furious, and I've still got I think about a half hour left in the latest episode. Nice. Um, so I'm uh, <laughs> like everything I've heard has been a little bit out of sync with real real time events. Um, so I did have to check. I was like, oh, I thought this just released, and I was like, Oh, it did. He's just doing a spiel for fun. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's interesting, you know, just kind of like you know, uh, uh, peek behind the the production curtain. We what we do is like once a month. We, we get together and we hammer out two episodes. So sometimes that material is kind of stale by the time the episode <laughs> uh, comes out because, I mean, spoilers alert for the, the episode that I'm putting out next week uh, where we're talking about uh, the headmaster. Um, we, we, do, we do like this whole tangent about toys I didn't buy at Cybefest. Um, so it's like, so you get more Sidefest mentions like two months after the convention. Um, cause no, basically what you, you do a very good job of keeping it evergreen. I try, I try. Um, cause like, I mean, there, there, and there is some stuff I end up cutting out sometimes cause it's like, okay, that, that's, that's almost too on the nose and, and timely. But, um, <laughs> I, I think, I think we also do a good job of like doing a lot of like pre-show and post-show grab ass. Like, you know, we'll just talk about like, hey, how's it going? What What's going on in your world? You know, that kind of thing. So we kind of, we have those conversations with each other so that it it's not 
as much in the episode, but yeah, there, there are some deliberate topics we kind of, we kind of put in there with the thinking that it would at least be somewhat evergreen because, you know, do, doing a, a episode recap show, there's going to be folks that find it later. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I found any number of, of shows like that where it's like, Oh, Hey, this is cool. Let me go back two years and, and catch up. But yeah, no, exactly. But no, I, I, uh, the lampshading of the, uh, the pre and post show is also very fun. Cause I, I do love the, the bits where it's like, okay, we're 40 minutes in, let's start the episode. Cause that is so, <laughs> like, it is quintessentially like the, the kind of podcast experience, you know? Uh, yep. and I, I think we've, we're doing the, the, the post show right now in the same manner. <laughs> yep. Very but much no, so. It's, it's very fun and it is very conducive to like driving and, and keeping me awake. Cause it feels like, you know, two dudes are having a conversation in the back of my car and I'm just over listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very fun. I like it a lot. Well, thanks. I, I, I'm glad it's resonating with you and, <laughs> and it's, it's cool because like we're connecting with folks like on, like on social media that neither of us knows. Yeah. They're, that's they're, super cool. They're, they're just like new fans that have found the show Absolutely. and it's yeah. And that, that, that is a weird ass feeling. <laughs> you got fans yeah exactly yeah it's it, i mean like we have a, a pretty healthy um comment section on youtube yeah. um like like i don't i don't know if they're actually listening to the episodes on youtube or if they're just using that as a platform to comment um right. but but regardless like you know folks are writing like lengthy paragraphs in in comments on like every episode almost like clockwork it's 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 really cool yeah, that is, that is that is super cool. I keep meaning yeah. to to leave feedback, but again, I still need to finish the show to do that. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's that that's that's my feedback right there. Is the show is cool nice. and fun, and I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Writing that down, cool and fun, and enjoying it. Got like it. Three <laughs> thumbs up emojis at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Good. Cool. 